It's Friday, August 20th, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by ManRubs, ManRubs.com. They have rubs, tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, mugs, and all-around barbecue-related gear. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off everything in their store. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear, StayReadyGear.com, and on Instagram, StayReadyGearUSA. Use the code STEAK for 5% off everything in their store. They've also got a uh, little bit of a bigger discount going on right now as well, so you might want to check it out. They got holsters, EDC stuff, custom holsters, on and off duty gear for you law enforcement personnel. That's about it. Well, we all know where we can grab some of the uh, world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear, and that's at Odyssey and Odyssey.com. They've got headphones, inner ears, and a lot of things that can help make your podcasting experience that much better when it comes to audio quality. Delicious. They're on Facebook and Instagram, and like I said, odyssey.com. Saving lives. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. What's your number at? Uh, 28 total. Okay. 25 didn't make it. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. So if you, if you medic as mediocre as I do, then you might want to go over to Mediocre Medic and uh, MediocreMedic.com and see some of our friends... Tactical gear that helps make that experience a little bit more enjoyable. Um, they've got patches, flip-flops, fanny packs, sweatshirts, t-shirts, and more. Also, several interesting places you could stick a vinyl sticker. Facts. Yeah, they're on they're on Instagram at, at uh, MediocreMedic and MediocreMedic.com. Firearms. We all love them. Yep. Pretty sure everybody here today has them. And if you're in Southern California and in the market for a new one or just looking for some ammo... Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms will take care of all those needs. Completely redesigned website. He's a licensed FFL, and he's got a five-star rating. Mike's on Facebook, Facebook Messenger, westcoastsurvivalarms.com, or at 619-870-6992. Top-tier tactical gear done correctly. Mark Joe Friday, dumpbox.us. I am rocking the Coronavirus Veteran T-shirt today. Same logo is on the flag in the back of our studio. I have a couple pins on my bag. In addition to all of the Zero Fucks Duck patches that I have on the headliner of my car. As I like to call it, Meme Force One. Mark's like on, yeah, Mark's on Facebook. He's on Instagram and at dumpbox.us. Ladies and gentlemen, please support all of our sponsors and help make American-owned and operated small businesses great again. And on that note, I'm Roan. And I'm joined today by Noah, and as always, the lovely Antoinette. Episode 56, Steak for Breakfast podcast. Welcome. Howdy. How you guys doing? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing well. I think uh, we should probably introduce our, our guest for the day as well. He's one of the triad of hosts on We the People Radio podcast. And uh, joining us, I think, maybe for the fourth or fifth time, Mr. James. Welcome back to Steak for Breakfast. I thought you were going to drop my full government. There you go. Would never do that. Oh, you could. We're, <laughs> we're out in the open, dude. We don't hide. I, I, I only put that in your dossier. 
in my dossier here. You probably have a whole write-up on me over here, this guy. Sure What's do. going on, everybody? So glad to be here. Uh, Antoinette, finally get to do a show with you. Super pumped. Same, same. Thank you so much for coming. Oh, yeah, it's a blast. Always always with these guys over at Steaks for Breakfast. You're a nice, <laughs> nice little addition. You're, you're, you're actually outshining these two over here. Oh, stop it. Don't. <laughs> you're going to kick me out. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, what's going on, Ronan? Noah, you guys are looking good. Oh, yeah. You know, we're just uh, doing set- the thing. Yeah, settling into our new home. And this is the first episode where our new host has webcam. So we see her, you know, for the... <laughs> whole show oh. for the first time yeah so you know just kind of very blessed a little distracting we're afraid i wasn't who i said i was the yeah. audience the audience is missing out you guys need to do video right cat <laughs> catfish, catfish not confirmed so <laughs> it's really her um but yeah we're just kind of settling in and 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 kind of doing our thing right now we've bumped it up to two shows a week we've instantly learned that that's probably something we're going to regret in the long one because it's double the work i regret it right now yes. yeah and mm-hmm. twice as less sleep yeah. Yeah. So that that's kind of where we're at. But where we're going with it right now, we kind of just have to, uh, you know, do the things we need to do to get it out there and keep everybody well informed. No, I got to say, you guys are absolutely crushing it. Like, I remember when you guys were just starting out and how terrible uh, we were <laughs> just getting going. Like, yeah, I was on one of the earlier episodes. With you, you were. Guys. And uh, where you guys started to where you're at now, you guys are absolutely killing it. The guests you guys have are unbelievable. And the shows you guys are putting out awesome awesome content and letting the people know the real news the truth that's what everybody needs and you're a great spot to come and find it yeah that's an excellent point why don't you tell our audience right before we get into the news what's going on with your show right now uh we the people radio uh yeah we just put out an episode yesterday we had a uh fellow patriot who uh decided to leave his job because of uh vax mandates jab mandates Mm. um down in freedom florida which was surprising Weird to me. Freedom Land, Florida. Yeah, I said the same thing. The the, the owner said, Well, oh, we're mandating this. And he's like, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not staying. And he's like, Listen, I'm I'm not gonna bow down to the golden calf. God will always provide. Oh, there he's you got go. Full, full family. He's got kids, house, mortgage, just like so many others. I'm sure you guys get DMs like we do oh. all the time. Oh, my job is mandating this, my job is mandating that. Um, and you need to make a decision and you you can't you can't be afraid to make the decision that's right for you just because of monetary value or security or anything like that because right now in my opinion if uh we don't make a stand uh, a job is pointless our republic is lost no um, you're 100 correct in that aspect and yeah and freedom isn't freedom if you're being inconvenienced and mm-hmm. threatened financially to to comply it's not freedom at that point no, it's no. not there's no portion of the american dream that says you can't earn a livelihood because you won't you know get a forced anything regardless of what it is yeah, so, in New York, San Francisco, it's 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 really scary. And um, I know you guys have been following our show since the beginning. We've yes. been very, very vocal uh, about the mask mandates and how that's the start from the very beginning. Yep. And that was the easy thing to stand up to. It was just take off your damn mask. Don't yep. wear it. And uh, and I, I t- told everybody, you know, if we don't do this now, the man, the vax mandates are right behind, right behind the corner, right around the corner. Yeah, here it we sucks are. to say no I told you so. <laughs> Oh, no, James, we're not going to turn into Nazi Germany. It's America here. Never right. happened here. It'll never happen here. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. cool. There are some articles of the Constitution right now that is the only thing that are keeping us away from being Australia, New Zealand, or Canada right now. No amendment to the Constitution is absolute. Well, well <laughs> I, I, Australia and those places, those are literally the test 
right. spots for for yeah. the for the cabal. Yeah. We know how 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 tied they are to New Zealand, Australia, England, yep. all these places with the five eyes. And that's literally where they're testing it. If they can get away with it over there, it's coming to a city near you very, very soon, unfortunately. Yeah, because they'll, they'll throw those test runs here in the United States and some of the most liberal strongholds. And you won't even hear about it until it's too late because by the time it eventually is allowed to get on the news, they would have been doing it for quite some time. Are you seeing what's going on in Australia? Yeah. Have you yeah. seen any? It's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. They're literally ripping oh, kids out of their parents' arms to, jab to send them. them to the stadium to get jabbed. Yep. Like, it's heartbreaking. I and know, and I heard two kids died already from... Uh, three in a coma. Thing. Yep, three really? in a coma. Oh, yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I have a hard time. And I, I feel like some Americans would give in. But well, just I imagine hard how time traumatic that, that is. Dark. No, I actually got fight or flight the first time that I watched the video. The oh, one where they ripped the girl away from the dad when she was hugging him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all right. I, I literally wanted to, to fight the, the cops through the screen. Right? I mean, if that happened, if that were me, uh, you'd have to kill me before you could take my child. That's yep. Fact. Well, they're going to have know? to get rid of guns here before they can do that shit. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You got close to 500. I think that's the, the one thing that's that's protecting us from it getting to that level. And I think that people Weird. are pissed off that's enough now for. that they're willing to yeah to do that Second Amendment. And, yeah. It's gonna be I mean, I would. I wonder how the government's going to be trying to play. F- 500 million games of hide and go seek. <laughs> so well, they're going to have to look in the bottom of I think a they're going to try to use the same strategy Cuba did to get our guns. Yeah. Well, I don't they're know. Already, I, I don't know if, you, yeah. if you've heard it, James. You know, I, I want to mention before we get into the news, Donald Trump has now done his fourth show in the last 36 hours, obviously smelling blood in the water ahead of his <laughs> rally this weekend and all the shit that's gone on with the administration for the last, well, since January, but more importantly, like in the last maybe 10 days. And one of the first things that I've noticed, because I we have to break this down to play audio on our show, he keeps saying they're coming for your guns, they're going after your guns, they're going to take your guns. All four of the shows that he went on today, that was one of the first points that mm-hmm. he made. And it's pretty interesting because a lot of that's not in the news right now coming out of the you know the Beltway in regards yeah. to like uh, legislation or anything like that. But it seems like that's one of his top talking points that he's kind of, we've known from covering him for the last several years that he's always ahead of the curve in regards to the news cycle. Yeah, it's going to be for our safety. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they're going to take a similar strategy to what Cuba did. Are you guys aware what Cuba did to get the guns away from the people? Yeah, they registered everybody the so they knew where they were. So they made everybody register their firearms and register their ammo. Um, uh, okay. California doing that now, too. That's what they're trying to do. And, and the way they did it was like, okay, we're going to make you register. So now they know how much ammo everybody has, how much firearms everybody has. And then they just start going door to door and picking them off. And from the person from Cuba that told me the story, they're like, listen, people fought back, but look how well that worked out for them. They're, Cuba is clearly a communist nation. They don't have guns. Right. So I, I they, it's worked throughout history where they went door to door and started taking guns. And I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a scary thought to think that people in our national guard, sheriff's departments, things like that would actually do that. But I had an argument with our co-host, Nick. He's like, ah, oh, they would never do that. And I'm like, look throughout history. Look at even right. even here in America. Remember Max's public public house, uh, the bar in Staten Island. Yes, the, yeah. the, they they were open two blocks down. Everything was open, and they were they were in the the zone that wasn't allowed to be open two blocks away from a zone that's allowed to be open. And the sheriff's department showed up and arrested him in his own place. Like you expect that that they won't do that with guns here? Come on. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely crazy what's going on right now. Um, but before mm-hmm. we get down too much of a deep rabbit hole, which this all is, we'll, we'll kind of yeah. 
touching and out of everything. I mean, we're doing steak for breakfast today, not we the people. When I come on your show, we're definitely going to uh, get into these long-winded conversations because they're definitely one of my favorite things to kind of break into. I mean, we just got to, you know, really just stay laser focused in regards to some of the things that you may not see in front of us right now, but are definitely coming down the pike. And like I just kind of, you know, was able to point out, Papa is out there and he's talking about guns and guns is not in the news cycle right now. Everything but guns is in the news cycle right now, unless you're talking about Chicago. Bomb threats. <laughs> Chicago's in the news cycle with guns. I, I, I'd never seen that before. Imagine that. Um, never, never seen that before. But, but let's hear some of the audio that, we, that we've seen over the last couple of days or, or listened to from, from Donald Trump. Kind of, you know, I don't know how you guys feel about this. Kind of weird to me uh, how fast he was. He was. And I think it's just to get out there as often as he can and as, as a large platform. But he jumped right back on to Fox News with Sean Hannity after he had the incident with Dan Bongino not even a week ago where, where they edited a portion of his, uh, you know, interview with him talking about the uh, crime of the century. So when I when I saw that break late, you know, it was like they gave us kind of like an hour warning. I've decided to jump on with Sean Hannity. I'll be on it whatever time he comes on Eastern time, you know, check it out. And uh, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. Maybe it was Fox's way of kissing and making up. But, uh, you, you know, he, he went on there and uh, started talking about things regarding Afghanistan, which is an absolute disaster right now. Still trying to get a feel for it. Uh, you know, last week we were kind of – feeling it out or is it going to be the the resurgence of the Taliban or are we going to have some sort of a tally bro scenario in regards to, uh, you know, what Trump was doing behind the scenes with them uh, prior to the current situation going on right now. And uh, let's hear a little bit of that insight from when he was on Hannity just two nights ago. Arida, who is probably the top person. Now, nobody really knows who the top person is, but I would say that's probably the top person. And it seems to be uh, that's the way it's rolling right now. But I had a very strong conversation. I also had a good conversation with him. We talked for a while after that. That was the primary point I was making, and he understood it. Then I asked him, do you understand? He said, yes, I do understand. And I wanted them to get a deal done with uh, the Afghan government. Now, I never had a lot of confidence, frankly, in Ghani. I said that openly and plainly. I thought he was a total crook. I thought he got away with murder. He spent all his time whining and dining uh, our senators. I mean, the senators were in his pocket. That was one of the problems that we had. But I never liked him. And I guess based on his escape with cash, I don't know, maybe that's a true story. I would suspect it is. All you have to do is look at his lifestyle, study his houses where he lives. He got away with murder in many, many different ways. But uh, I had a very, very strong talk with the Taliban, which I considered to be much more important in the sense because they were the problem. And they've been there for a long time, and they're good fighters, and they fight hard. And after I said that, we had a pretty good conversation. Now, I have to tell you that if you remember when they were coming to Washington to meet with me, they decided to kill an American soldier because mm. they thought that was a good way to negotiate. And I canceled the trip. And we had a conditions-based agreement. And if you remember, it said May 1st. We want to get out because we have to get out. I've listened to people on your show and other shows say we should stay. They don't know. We, we were spending $42 billion a year. $42 billion. Think of it. $42 billion. I understand Russia 
spends 50 billion a year for their entire military. We were spending 42 billion, not 1%. They were saying 1%. That's a lot of nonsense. We're spending 42 billion dollars a year on defending this for years and years. We've been there really now, not 20 years, but 21 and a half years. And we get nothing out of any of these things that we do, whether it's them or many other countries I could tell you about. I'm not going to insult anybody. So that was him kind of getting into it with uh, Sean Hannity in regards to, uh, you know, talking about some of the logistics that were going on in regards to the money in Afghanistan and some of the... uh, intricacies of the relationship that he had uh with his good friend abdul over there with the tally bros <laughs> and uh you know kind of seeing what uh what that was going to be it, it, it's pretty interesting to see kind of how you know now that the taliban is back in, in control over there in afghanistan how they're kind of uh trying to put like a smiley face picture on on something that's been extremely bad throughout the years um, but th- there are some confusing things out there that I think, you know, a lot of the people in the mainstream media and, uh, you know, political figures are trying to gaslight. And they, they kind of go straight across the board with, like, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, the Taliban, and just kind of almost racistly say that they're all one and the same. Yeah. And, and anyone who who kind of looks into history and, and sees what has gone on, especially with the original fall of Afghanistan and, and the retreat of Al Qaeda out of there um, back in the early 2000s should know that there's an extremely different uh, outlook on just everything in general. When you kind of compare the radical uh, Muslim extremist organizations like Al Qaeda and, and ISIS, and then, you know, the Taliban is like the Muslim version of what really is the white nationalists. That's basically what they are. They are, they are, extreme Muslim nationalists. They want Sharia law. It's one of the only things that an overwhelming majority of the 50 tribes that inherit it um, or inhabit the country kind of agree on. Is that what they want? That's what they want. But they don't necessarily, and and historically really haven't had, deep-rooted ties to terrorism. We kind of just straight across the boarded it in a way to kind of greenlight the Afghan war And they were kind of like collateral damage for the most part, even though, you know, obviously a lot of the resistance that we saw from the Taliban itself was because their country was getting invaded. Um, But an overwhelming majority of the Al-Qaeda aspect of that whole thing, they were on the run long before that because, and a lot of people don't know, the Taliban was kicking Al-Qaeda out of Afghanistan before we were even there. And, And I don't think you ever hear that in the mainstream media because it kind of puts a legitimate face on something that we've been taught, especially the 9-11 generation that is so evil and disgusting. Like, you, you see someone that looks like they're in the Taliban, and you, you immediately associate it to Osama bin Laden or al-Baghdadi and beheadings and, and the Twin Towers and stuff like that, and it's just not necessarily the case. So they, they, they've put out a PR department. They've kind of trolled Joe Biden all over social media and through their press conferences. They've they're trolled, smashing him. Yeah, they've got, gone after Zuckerberg and uh, Lizardberg. And kind of took some shots at him, too, saying, you know, if if America's all for for free speech and stuff like that, why don't they go talk to the guy who owns Facebook and ask him why he keeps kicking everybody off of their platform? Got him. So, So yeah. James, what do you think about the whole, you know, kind of way that this situation is being looked at right now? Um, Well, you said at the top of that that take that they are different and they are separate, Mm -hmm. and which is true. 
That is definitely true. But I, I, I do want to emphasize that they are also kind of one in the same when you actually research their origins and where these organizations started with the clowns in action um, and U.S. intelligence. Right. Uh, you know, the Taliban really wouldn't be as powerful as they were if it wasn't for us in the 80s. Uh, and the Reagan administration giving them all that the weaponry that they got. Uh, we know Hillary Clinton and Obama both admitted to creating ISIS and ISIL. Yep. Like these are all from the same. They're all trained by the same people. They're all funded by the same people. They may be different in ideologies, but they're all the same, in my opinion. Um, and it's all to push an agenda out in the Middle East. This whole Afghanistan thing, in my opinion, is a, a major, major distraction. Yes. There's way too many questions already. Uh, you could see when Trump was talking to Hannity, how Hannity was just like, well, um, we need to go back in there. And because he's a warmongering military industrial complex guy. Yep. And you could tell he was he was trying to shape the narrative of that conversation to push this. We need to go back narrative and go back to war and do all of this, which Hannity always does. He's always been that guy. I, I never trusted him whatsoever mm -mm. Another, another fox pundit none of them trust none of them um so i think i think the whole afghanistan thing is a huge major distraction and what i tell people is they were able to manipulate the entire world with statistics and videos like remember in the beginning of china virus what they were showing on the media oh people, people dropping dead drop it in the streets yeah. Boom. in the streets Crazy. you don't think they wouldn't do the same thing to draw up to draw up some controversy 100%. in in Afghanistan. And now, not to say this is a black hat operation and they're doing it for their reasons. This very well could be a white hat operation right. to fully expose how incompetent this administration is because yeah. it's, it's a disaster. But also, it could be a black hat operation and the white hats are just using it to their advantage. Right. Because yeah. at the end of the day, we have the audits coming out very, very soon and they need something to clog the media, the news stations very, very badly. What better way? To draw, oh, we're about to go back to war that we've been in for 20 plus years. We were pulling out, but now we're going back. And that's all you're going to see in the news station. So the White Hats are using that to make them look bad. And the deep state realizes they're like, well, we'd rather fall on this sword. We don't care how bad we look and how incompetent we look, because the other the other side is we're exposed for treason. Right. We're treasonous exactly. traitors and we're going to get arrested and go to jail and probably hung in public. Yeah. For, the, for those crimes. What they're putting out there, like the videos and pictures are all from other, like, for example, um, what was it, the New York Times? Uh, you know that video of people stampeding through the airport? That's from a 2019 Dallas yeah. Cowboys game. Or they had the, or, the, the stock photo of, of all the, I'm going to air quote now, fighting age males that were on like the uh, plane. And, yeah, it's from Turkey. And it's from 2018. Yeah, yeah, so, it's from Turkey. It's not even from Afghanistan. Yeah, they're th they're thank, Turkish. Thank God we all uh, do what we do now because we just, it's like as soon as these things come out, I don't even think anybody reads the headlines. They just immediately start no. to break everything down regarding it and then recant it as soon as possible. How many times do we have to be lied to till we say, hey, everything yeah. that they're telling us is bullshit? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, well, there's plenty of people that they're just anything that the TV tells them they're going to believe. Yeah. Well, we have. We had Jorge Ventura on with us before we started recording today, and one of the things he told us, too, was uh, the big misconception about how um, Governor Greg Abbott and Senator Ted Cruz, you know, they'll go down there and throw a life vest on or wheel themselves up to the border fence and, and say 15 minutes of the right thing, and then if anybody tries to contact them, 
or, you know, ask them for help or, you know, ask them what they're actually doing to kind of stop the problem instead of trying to look good for Donald Trump on TV. Uh, he's confirmed with his own eyes and, and reporting that they've done nothing and to the point to where he says he's even called Ted Cruz's office and can't even get a call back. So wow. it's just one of those things to where, you know, you think these people are quoting now border advocates or, you know, human rights advocates and, and this, that, and the other thing. It just turns out they're, they're extremely the opposite because they just don't have interest in things that don't line their pockets or make themselves look good with, uh, you know, I got to shout out Natalie Denise. She's yeah. doing unbelievable yeah. work down at the border and exposing these these corrupt politicians. She sure that is. People, that the people on our side are supporting. Um, you know, same thing with guys like Dan Crenshaw and people yep. that are in the know knew for a while he was a corrupt politician. I always called him John McCain with an eye patch. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, but I you know I posted the video of him saying, "Oh, there's no." Uh, there's no no fraud. They didn't steal the election. And people were like you, you you don't like Dan Crenshaw. I was like, no, that guy's a a Chinese bought globalist and speaks at Klaus Schwab's youth forums. Fuck that guy. Literally. And people so. are still so they're so butthurt about. Ah, well, I agree with a lot of things that you say, but I don't agree with this. I'm like, all right, well, clearly you're not paying attention because it's this is not a right versus left thing. Yeah, this go, is a go good on. versus evil, and that guy's evil. Go and research how many open border policies that he's uh, signed on to with Nancy Pelosi over the years as well. Crazy it's, it's right. fat dick. So yeah, God. it's just terrible. Hope he gets another dick to the other eyeball. <laughs> Loses that one. <laughs> so can't stand it. Well, speak- sometimes I think that, that eye patch is just for show. I, I don't know. I know that may sound messed up, but I don't know. You never know. these. I, I, so I, I've spoken with there's somebody in the community. I'm not going to men- name any names, but there's somebody in the community that has very deep intel background and uh, military background. And what they said to me about seals. Yeah, really kind of rank. It holds true to me is like seals are kind of like the deep states. Special forces where the Green Beret are the true patriots that fight for our country. Interesting. Um, okay. If you noticed how many times they put seals out in the forefront and they try to make them seem like they're the greatest thing ever. Yeah. No, um, the media does this. So I don't trust the media. And when you see all that kind of makes you think and not to say all of them are bad. There's, I'm sure there's some great seals, but you know, I'm sure if you read research, Chris Kyle's story, we found out he lied on multiple yeah. occasions. That was whole bullshit. <laughs> yeah, so, he certainly did. Um, someone who hasn't been lying lately, but has been going around, former Breitbart employee and current Donald Trump campaign spokeswoman, Liz Harrington, uh, jumped in with, uh, the real story this week to, on OAN to kind of give a little bit of insight to the fallout from Trump kind of pushing back on a lot of the narrative that Hannity was trying to, uh, you know, get across on the show the night before. Let's hear kind of what she had to say, uh, during that piece. of this country and really the people of the world know that this is Biden's fault. We had peace for four years. This kind of stuff doesn't just happen out of nowhere. It used to happen out of nowhere because for 20 years we had endless wars until President Trump, he ran on the platform of ending those endless wars. Nobody did it. Biden was there with Obama for eight years and they certainly didn't do it. They wouldn't even enforce their red lines. So when you see what's going on now, They're trying to blame President Trump, not just the Biden administration, but the media. But I don't think that works in the media anymore because people get it. 
the American people see exactly what's going on. And if the regime was smart, they would have trotted Joe Biden out today to resign, <laughs> not to just be out there and blame everyone but themselves. This is their own disaster in the making. Instead of, you know, putting up the LGBT flag and tweeting about it for our embassy in Kabul, they should have been talking about how do we keep uh, an agreement with orchestrated by President Trump. How do we do this safely? Where, where was General Milley instead of testifying about white rage? Why was he not uh, on the ground doing a strategic plan? But sadly, this is who is running our country now. They are enemies of the United States. They are anti-American, and they'd rather spend their time on woke uh, far left radical ideologies than defeating our enemies, keeping us safer, creating jobs, securing our border. And we've seen it time and time again. And as President Trump said today, none of this would be possible if we did not have the crime of the century, if we had the real legitimate results. It all stems from that big lie, the real big lie. And we have to get to the bottom of it or otherwise, unfortunately, it's not just going to hurt American citizens, it's going to hurt the rest of the world like we're seeing today. A lot of truth in that right there. So, Amen. I mean, yeah, she, she's, uh, she's definitely picked up where, uh, you know, some of Trump's other people have left off and kind of hit the ground running with a pretty good stride. I kind of like what she's got going on right now. She doesn't take shit from anybody. No, so, she's a savage. Yeah, when, 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 when you are literally the number two as far as, like, representing the campaign, but at the same time, you cut your own bangs like that, <laughs> which looks like she did it in her bathroom with some kid scissors. Good for you. Yeah, and just it's very goes, possible. Yeah, it just goes out there and hammers it away. Uh, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks. The Breitbart family tree is alive and well. I was listening to uh, Bannon this morning on Real America's Voice, and just the way he was talking about the Alabama rally coming up this weekend, I'm pretty sure he's still writing components of his speeches. Um. You know, he was getting into certain talking points and stuff like that, and you can almost hear it. He almost starts to, like, drool out of the corner of his mouth when he gets all excited about <laughs> reliving the 2016 dream again. And uh, I just got, you know, got a feeling that they've kind of circled the wagons around Trump, and they're going to kind of shelter him from pretty much anything that's opposite of the narrative of the pulse of the uh, real patriots in this country right now. So I did mention Steve Bannon, so we are going to have to take our poll of the week. Um, is Steve Bannon Q? I'm going to say no. Noah? Mm, nope. Antoinette? Nah. What? Oh. Who is even saying no? James, Definitely you sure? Not. <laughs> no, no. I, I don't even think I don't even think he's part of the team. I think maybe he has some knowledge that it's real, but I don't think he's even part of the team and in the know that much. So he'd be like the water boy. He'd be like the water boy of Q Team Six. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's <laughs> listen. People have to realize that like there is a small amount of people that are involved that know the entire plan. And yeah, we've so been told it's seven military, three non-military right. and everything is compartmentalized. Like there's probably operators on the ground right now that are a part of this mission that only know their select mission. They have no idea what the other operators are doing. And there's right. only a very small people, group of people that knows the entire plan. I agree. Steve Bannon is definitely not one of them. Yeah, I don't think they trust him with with all that information. No, he looks like a drunk. How about no? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, how about no? For real. Right, joining us now, very special guest today. He's a combat veteran. He's also a, a Purple Heart recipient. But more importantly, 
He's running in Pennsylvania 8 right now for Congress. Mr. Teddy Daniels, welcome to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. How are you doing today, sir? Guys, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, Anytime. No. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. Thank you for coming. Um, so how, how are you doing? How's uh, the campaign trail treating you right now? We have been doing phenomenal. Um, just the support from the from the American people has been absolutely incredible. Um, I think our message really resonates. I think people are completely done with the political class mm-hmm. uh, in both parties. And, you know, they're tired. They're, they're sick of it. They, they feel like they've been sold down the river. So they, they want some common sense folks representing them now. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty awesome. I want to kind of give our audience a little bit of a background um, f- coming from you. Uh, you know, your husband, your your father, a veteran. And, but what was it, you know, I, I don't necessarily think you can probably pin it down to one thing, but what was kind of the formula that inspired you to get into this arena of politics? Well, it actually happened a couple of years ago. I ran last cycle. We had a uh, highly contested six-man primary. Okay. And I actually won the election day vote. And then overnight, the the whole mail-in ballots were mm. being counted and mm. uh, ended up taking a second in a in a six-man primary. Uh, the guy that did win, uh, now keep in mind, Trump won my district twice. Mm-hmm. We still have a liberal Democrat occupying our seat. And Trump outperformed the nominee by over nine points in the district. Um, another career bureaucrat that the establishment financed and brought back to the district to one with, to, you know, to run with deep pockets. So, you know, this is the year we're going to get it done. And, um, what really made me want to jump into this, you know, I, I was a cop for 15 years. Okay. After that, I went and served, um, went to Afghanistan, got banged up. Was medically retired from the military. I started two companies, sold them both. And I just wanted to be left alone. I was retired. I love my motorcycles. I love hunting, love my family. My youngest son is four years old and the left just could not let people be. Yeah. So, you know, they say nothing's more dangerous that, you know, when a guy that just wants to be left alone has to get involved it's going to be ugly. And, and that's where I am. Yeah. I feel that way too. Yeah. I just want to be left alone. Leave me alone. Many of us do. Yeah. I think that's what conservatives just want, but you know, they couldn't leave us alone. So here we are. (laughs) Every time you think you're out, they pull you back in. They pull you back in. And that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, you are running on an America first platform. We all know, we all know that you're America first, just based off of very little that you told us, but based off of some of the pillars of your campaign, what makes you literally an America first agenda candidate? Well, I'm not controlled or governed by the powers to be the swamp. Um, I, you know, that there's so much to say about this whole Afghanistan uh, catastrophe. <sighs> the American people in the past seven, eight months have been taking a back seat. Um, those coming across the border have more rights uh-huh. than Americans do. They've been evacuating more Afghanis than they have been American citizens from the debacle in the Middle East right now. The working folks in this country, 
you know, you, their restaurants are closing down, their businesses are closing down with all these COVID mandates by these tyrannical governors. It needs to stop. Yeah. It just, it all needs to stop. The American people need to know that they're going to be first. That's the one thing that really set me off the other day, I was watching a press conference with the Secretary of Defense and woke General Milley. <laughs> okay. So embarrassing. Saying that, you know what? We have 40,000 Americans stranded in Afghanistan. We have no way. We don't have the capabilities to get them out. Crazy. Biden gave his 20-minute press conference, and then the next day gave another conference criticizing Republican governors yep. because they don't want to put masks on kindergartners. The message that should have been put out there was, hey, we will move mountains and come hell or high water. We will find a way to get to you and get you out. Not, eh, we don't have the capabilities. So now we're going to switch the topic. And you're going to have to take out a loan. Right. The, which you can't, you can't get tax returns back until you pay to be able to fund yourself, it, to have the government it, it, get it, you out. We of are in a sad state. Yeah. And in eight months, in eight months, the Democrats have destroyed this country. Okay. And, and one of my, one of my big things when I get into Congress is I want to be on the oversight committee. That'd be awesome. And besides bringing in Zuckerberg and uh, Jack Dorsey from Twitter, these social media platforms to question them on why the Taliban still has a platform. <laughs> President Trump doesn't. Nope. Okay. Yeah. That's wild. It's insane, really. <laughs> the other people I want to bring in are the Secretary of Defense and General Milley. And I want to ask General Milley, you know, can you give me a breakdown on the amount of time you spent studying white rage and implementing critical race theory as compared to the amount of time you spent doing a withdrawal plan from Afghanistan? Would you say it's 70-30, 50-50? <laughs> Where is it? Where's your priorities? And what are you doing? His purple hair dye is going to run if you start yeah. asking him questions and, like that. And then it's, maybe the Manny Petty, like, what, what percent was that? Yeah. Oh, man. He's, it's, it's not like sickening. he didn't know. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's sickening what's going on in our country. They are absolutely embarrassing. And I, <sighs> I can only imagine how some of our, not even our foes, let's talk about our allies, what they think of us. There's just how about people in the military in general just having to deal with this nonsense. Yeah. Yep. So... Well, they're finally finding out what, you know, everybody gets a participation trophy really looks like. Yeah. Nobody takes responsibility well, for everything and everyone loses. I think they found out real quick, too. The rest of the world isn't as woke no. as the United States. They sure yeah. aren't. Okay. They were <laughs> yep. so proud, so proud to hang that gay pride flag <laughs> yep. and the Black Lives Matter flag on our U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan. Remember that? Yes. Back in June. Yeah. That was also embarrassing. You know, that does not – the Afghan people don't believe that. Nope. No. We're trying to force an ideology onto them that they cannot comprehend and that they don't want. Just going to make them hate us more. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. No, it's not like they didn't They didn't know. You know, we, we as citizens knew that we were planning this withdrawal for how many months now? How many Our years? Our generals maybe? are acting like they had no clue. Like, it's exactly. a joke. Yeah. It's an absolute joke. It's embarrassing. So, Teddy, you've already mentioned – I mean, obviously, I feel like you're a fan of Stop the Steal. You said you were a victim yourself. 
in a previous race, what it looks like in regards to the general election of 2020. Um, you're in a stop the steal state. You are working a lot with um, uh, Senator Doug Mastriano down there. Uh, I know you were yes. at the rally the other day. Give us some insight based on your um congressional aspirations how you feel the 2020 election went down and what you feel needs to happen before we hit 2022 well first and foremost the election was stolen there you go trump won yes we all know it the data proves it in 2016 hillary clinton went on a national tour talking about how the election was stolen from her Mm -hmm. in 2018 the democrats in the midterms came out complained about these voting machines, talked about how easily they could have been hacked. Honestly, we just need to go back to paper ballots. Yeah. Get rid of all this other crap and go back to it. Now, on the on the federal level, now the elections, that, that's a 10th Amendment issue. That's a state's rights issue. Mm-hmm. The federal government just tried to bulldoze that with uh, H.R. 1, uh, the Corrupt Politicians Act, yep. to where the federal government would then run the elections. Nobody trusts that at all, okay? And I think we need to restore some kind of confidence in our elections for the American people. Yeah, that's definitely something that needs to be examined. Um, Everything from the the 2020 election all the way up and through going into the midterms right now, I definitely think there's a, a lot of people who just feel really uncomfortable, regardless of how strong their candidate is or what the poll numbers say either way about what right. it really looks like at the ballot box. Um, well, how can you argue against wanting to know what happened? Like, right. this is what exactly. happened. You vote. This is what. This is the result. Like, how is that a bad thing? Well, that's why they're just well, in the water. Yeah. The, the, the thing, too, is this should not be a Republican or a Democrat issue. Yeah, absolutely not. Nope. This should be a, an American issue. Americans need to know that their right to vote is secure yep. and that their vote counts. And you don't have these scumbags ballot harvesting. You just saw the videos out of California yep. where they're yep. stealing them out of mailboxes. Yeah, okay, they, they tried to fact lock check. those people up and throw away the key. We are the last bastion, the last hope of freedom anywhere in the world. No. And if our elections are going to be perverted the way they have been, we're going to lose that. Yeah, we're going to lose everything. Agreed. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I saw that uh, some of the social media giants came out and tried to fact check those videos that were getting leaked of the oh. people. But then of course they did. the local yeah. law enforcement in the town that that happened came out and said, no, we we followed up on this and arrested these people. They were using mailbox keys to open up the entire mailbox and take everybody's mail-in ballots. So the fact checkers were literally wow. trying to go, this didn't happen. This is you know taken out of context. Well, no, they're all... Hillary Clinton staffers from 2016 that work in all those fact checking mm-hmm. organizations. So right. no, but like, what were they saying specifically? Like, this is partially false, or this is based off information that has been verified. Right, you should have seen right, all the tags yeah. they've been putting more, on there. More context needed. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my favorite. Missing. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely one of those things. One other thing I want to touch on with you, j- just based on the campaign that that's really important right now. I think I think it's the biggest thing. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is recalling the House back. Um, they have that absolutely disastrous infrastructure bill on the table 1.5 which really equals close to four trillion dollars in green new deal bullshit for things not for bridges not for borders not for roads or airports or buildings but for gender equality and breathalyzers in your car and pseudo election regulations in there as well 
Um, I know you probably think it's absolutely garbage, but can you give us a little insight on just to why? Any Republican in the House or Senate that voted for this needs to be primaried. Yep. Meeting. They need to be primaried. This is step one of the Green New Deal. And the Republicans just caved in. Okay. Mm-hmm. The problem, I think what happens is there's a big separation from DC and the rest of the country yeah. to where these people live in a bubble down there and they don't truly understand the plight of the working man and woman. You see the commercials on TV all the time where they put the dress shirt on and they roll the sleeves up and they're like, we're here for the working man. Meanwhile, the guy's worth $25 million. Okay. (laughs) They've never had a kitchen table issue. Like they talk, that's their term kitchen table issue. Now, my dad was a brick and stone mason. Okay. My mom worked in a textile mill. As a kid in the wintertime, when my dad didn't work, we couldn't afford oil for the heat in the house. Mm. My mom would turn the stove on a couple times a day and open the door. We wore coats and bundled up with a couple blankets. And when my dad went deer hunting, that meat was to feed us through the winter. Yeah. Okay. Mm. When I was a young cop, and I had a house and, you know, we had new cars and everything else sitting with my family saying, you know what? Uh, we got to cut the cable down to basic. Uh, these bills got to wait till next month. We got to pay the mortgage, the car payments, the insurance. That's a priority. Right. Um, they've never had the kitchen table issues. I actually just had one with my wife the other day. So my son, who's four, my youngest, his name's Jack Daniels. Nice. Um, nice. That's amazing. Yeah. That's um, awesome. I, I was tied up doing interviews. My wife actually went to the school board meeting. He's supposed to start kindergarten this year. And the school board, no masks in school, but you got to wear them on the bus. What? So my wife was like, hold on here. So he's riding on the bus with the same kids that he's running around in school all day with. So he gets off the bus, takes his mask off, runs around with these kids, and then is required to wear a mask back on the bus. She goes, where's the science in that? No. So we actually sat down over dinner and said, you know what? We're, we are withdrawing him from school. We found a private option that fits with our schedule Good. that we can take him and pick him up. I'm not putting a mask on my four-year-old son. It's not going to happen. There's no science behind it. It's a medical device, and I'm not playing the game. Yeah. But those are kitchen table issues. Yeah. Those are issues that the folks in D.C. have no idea what real families go through. Absolutely. Uh, Do you guys mind if I ask a question? I know it's on my show. Absolutely no, go not. It. Go ahead. So, Teddy, I, I love what you're doing. And when you put out your campaign video, I got sent a million people sent it to me and I was like, I love this. This is is amazing. I love what you're doing. But like you said, at the top of the show, you ran uh, in 2020 and it was rigged against you. Clearly you, you, you had to leave before the mail-in ballots came in. What's your plan to make sure that doesn't happen again? Overwhelming force. (laughs) I like it. Overwhelming force. You, you know, brother, uh, the last time was was the first time I ran. Um, I learned a lot. I learned 
who the enemy was. I learned who the rhinos were. Mm -hmm. I knew the ones who would just give lip service and weren't really stepping up to help. Right. Um, I found out who all they are and, and a lot of them. So, okay. So this video, right? This video on combined platforms has been shared or seen over 4 million times. Right. It's everywhere except on the pages of the County GOPs in my district. Hmm. Of course, because I don't play ball. Right. Uh, I've called them out publicly numerous times on different occasions for different things. And um, they've already tried to recruit guys to run against me. And these people have been like, there is no way Teddy will tear me apart. I'm not doing it. I'm not putting myself out there like that. Um, I'm gunning for bear, brother, you know, and um, that's the way it has to be. We are at war for the future of this country. We are at war for my children's future, for your children's future, for our grandkids. And if we don't have true conservatives step up yep. and call them out and stop it the way it is, we're never going to have a country left. Uh, that's I an, love that. That's a, yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, you're and definitely... if you notice, I'm sorry. And if you notice the video, I don't call out Democrats. Right. You don't, I don't call out the left. I'm going after the party because they're in action. I blame the party for the past 20 years as to where we are and why we are where we are today Yeah, because they did nothing. They enabled it. They didn't have the balls to stand up to the left just like right now and say, no, we're not doing it. Exactly. They're probably getting their pockets lined just as, just like the left is. You're exactly right. Teddy, I got to say, you're, you're definitely the man for the job, and I have so much respect for what you're doing, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, for brother, I really appreciate Stepping up to the plate. Yeah, so we yeah. need more Thank people you. like you, for real. Yeah, it's like we said, just when you think, you know, it's time to kind of sit back and relax with a little drink and reflect on an amazing life. You know, you were an athlete. You served our country. You sacrificed a lot. You lost things representing this country yep. in the theater of war. And then you come home. You, you literally live the American dreams. Like you, you said it throughout the course of this interview, literally from rags to riches, speaking modestly, you know what I'm saying? You've built businesses in my heart, up. brother, in yeah. my heart. No, that, 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 that's what it is. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is if you, if you're in the United States and you can live comfortably to where your family is just happy on based on how you are raising yeah. them. And yeah, you're doing and, good. Yeah. That's the American dream right there. And, and then all you want to do is be able to sit on your porch and, and reflect on a nice life and, and just be left alone. And here you are putting it on again to go out and not only represent uh, Pennsylvania eight, but the rest of the United States at the, you know, congressional level. Teddy, before we cut with you today, we want to be able to direct all of our traffic. And I'm not going to lie. They're extremely interactive, whether it be with traffic, sharing donations, you name it. Our, our, our audience base is, is really good with that stuff. Can you tell us website, social media, wherever you want to send them and they'll be sure to be uh, following Absolutely. up with you. Absolutely. And thank you so much for that. Um, my website, Teddy Daniels, PA.com. Teddy, like the bear Daniels, like the whiskey and PA to state. Um, my Twitter is at Daniels Congress and on Facebook, uh, it's just under Teddy Daniels. And, um, let me tell you, bro brother, I go to the mailbox every day and get the mail and I got a stack of letters from people across the country and they're from California, mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, Maine, Florida, Oklahoma, a lot of cops, a lot of military, a lot of, a lot of stay at home moms, a lot of, 
a lot of guys that wear their name on their shirt for a living. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and that is the heart and soul of this country. And and let me tell you, no matter what the left does to me, no matter how they come at me, all I got to do is read one of those letters. Right. And mm-hmm. it's like, you know what? Yeah, this ain't about me. It's about them. It's about their future and their family's future. So come get some. You know, yeah. I'm here. You can't knock me off. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we hope to have you back at some point, sir. We wish you the best of luck in your congressional race for Pennsylvania 8. And at, like I said before and, and throughout the course of this interview, thank you for your service to the country and for, you know, coming back to, to represent the constituents in Pennsylvania as well. Mr. Teddy Daniels, thanks for coming down to Steak for Breakfast. Thank you, guys. Truly, truly enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, that was Teddy Daniels right there. And I have to say after uh, seeing him online and – on some news shows doing some interviews and then experience it in real life. Uh, kind of the real deal. What do you guys think? Yeah. Epic. He was amazing. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. Now I got to go back East and go hang out with Teddy. Cause right? I want to go shooting that Tommy gun and blow shit up in the woods. Yeah. It was good to experience that in person, but jumping in now with us, he's a reporter from the daily caller. Mr. Jorge Ventura has been doing some excellent work along the Southwest border for a greater portion of the last year. Welcome to steak for breakfast. Great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Well, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to come share some of your story with us. How's it going? It's going really good, man. I'm just, um, you know, working, staying busy. And, you know, the news cycle is just gets, it seems like it just, it's it's never ending. It gets crazier and crazier. And, um, you know, right now I've kind of been laying low uh, this past kind of month and a half, two months, uh, working on a documentary regarding some Mexican cartel activity here in uh, North LA County. Okay. So we're working on we're working on that. We're actually finishing up kind of our last our last week or two of filming, and we should have it out uh, some date in September. So I'll be announcing that pretty soon. So just try, trying to stay busy, man. Just trying to almost uh, keep up with the crazy news cycle. It's pretty funny that you mentioned that. You say that you're, you know, working on some cartel activity in in Los Angeles, which isn't necessarily too too close to the border. It's a couple hours drive. Um, a lot of people who may not live in, in close proximity to the border may think that that's a little odd. Um, but based off of, uh, you know, just maybe a little bit of what you can tell us on it, there, it seems to be that there's a lot of, uh, cartel activity prevalent all over the country, huh? Yeah, that, that's to be true. So one thing that a lot of folks kind of don't know is back in the eighties, uh, one thing that the, that the cartel kind of bosses and leaders used to do, I mean, they still do it now is that anytime they would have a pregnant wife or girlfriend, they would make sure that they would get it into the United States. And then, so then they could have the babies here and they would be actually citizens. So then for the first time, you actually have these kind of Mexican American citizens who are able to travel uh, between the Mexico and United States freely. Mm -hmm. The nickname for these uh, folks is called Cartel Juniors. And Mm. I've been actually, um, I live in Palmdale, California. So I'm only about 10 to 15 minutes where El Chapo's wife or girlfriend had her twin girls. So it's just, a, it's kind of a crazy thing. So they've been able to establish kind of themselves here with businesses and anything like that. Um, what I'm kind of working on, what I could guys tell you just a bit is um, I'm working more on, on a thing is, so ever since California legalized marijuana, which is in 2016, Prop 64, it opened up this huge black market for the cartel to hit. So um, they actually been starting up a bunch of illegal marijuana growing operations in LA County and the county next to us, which is San Bernardino. So I know when most people hear illegal marijuana operation, you know, first thing that comes to their mind is, 
well, it's not a big deal. It's probably just two hippie dudes in the middle of nowhere smoking joints, listening to reggae. But it's actually not. It's, it has a, a, it's a criminal element tied to it. It's a human trafficking element tied to it. You know, the folks who are working these drug operations for them, um, you know, they're not high-level cartel members. They're, they're the lowest of the lowest migrants who are paying their indentured servitude, per se. Yeah. So you're saying that l- the argument of legalizing the drug will solve all the problems not so much. No, it could just kind of give them like a whole new tax bracket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So for, for folks who don't know, 80, 80% of the of the marijuana coming out of California right now is a black market. So it's most likely tied to either uh, a Mexican cartel or a high level criminal organization group. We're seeing a Chinese mafia also be involved and uh, some Armenian crime organizations be involved in this business as well. And these are all the ones that are being sold to the dispensaries and all the locations where people are buying it or just the street level dealing? Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything. So it's street level, it's dispensaries, but where they make the most of the money is actually selling the weed back to the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you could get a pound in California of marijuana for 1200 to 1500 bucks, it's going to, it's going to sell times three in the East Coast. So that's, their main thing is to ship it to the east coast and 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 kind of fund their business that way yeah it's pretty crazy aspect to look at it not only uh nationwide here in the united states but on a uh, international level in regards to all those you know cartels not just being based out of mexico but like you said armenians and and chinese and ones like that let's take a little bit of a step back um you kind of uh got thrown into this role you're in of in on the spot you know uh front lines kind of guy. It was, it was, it was kind of an interesting story um, that happened in Washington, D.C. Uh, earlier this year. Can you tell us about that night and how it kind of propelled you into the position you're in right now? Yeah, man. Hey, well, good job on your research, bro. But uh, yeah, yeah. so for, the, for folks who don't know, back um, last May, I started my internship with the Daily Caller. Um, I flew from California to D.C. on May 21st. And, you know, what I kind of had in my mind was, you know, I'm going to go to D.C. I'm going to be working with senators and congressmen and working the whole political life. And I'm going to be in a suit all day is what I thought was was, was going to be my life. And as soon as I got to D.C., um, you know, I did the, the regular boring intern stuff where you're just training and you're not actually really doing the real reporting. And four days of me being into D.C. So May 25th is uh, Minneapolis Police Department released the George Floyd video. Mm-hmm. And as you guys know, Minneapolis went into flames that night. They burned down the police station. And what we didn't know at that time was that those riots um, and that civil unrest was going to come to D.C. And it was going to come pretty quick. So it came two days later, which was May 27th. Um, the funny thing is uh, a friend actually invited me to kind of like a little barbecue he was like, hey, man, you're you're new to D.C. You're not really from here. Come meet some people. Come mingle. So I was actually having drinks at a barbecue on, on the night of May 27th. And that was a night where the Black Lives Matter uh, protesters, they reached the White House mm-hmm. and they actually had to put Trump under a bunker. So they were actually fighting with the, the Secret Service agents and law enforcement. And my producer calls me out of nowhere. It's like uh, it's like 1230 at night. He calls me out of nowhere. And I answered. He says he's basically was like yelling, he said, Jorge. Uh, the white there's a riot in front of the White House. Trump is under a bunker. We don't have any available reporters. Like we need you on the ground. Like now, we know you're just an intern, but we need you now. So <laughs> I instantly took an Uber, got straight to the White House, and basically, as I was actually setting up my 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 cell phone camera on my on my tripod, 
uh, Leland Bitter, which is a uh, he's a Fox News reporter. He was getting ready to do his his live hit. And as soon as the whole crowd noticed that he was with, with Fox News, they started screaming at him that he's a white supremacist. And he just started beating up Leland and his camera crew and his security crew. I mean, they were grabbing his camera, they were grabbing his mic, assaulting him. And I kind of I, you know, I didn't really know what the hell was happening. So I just turned my phone on record. Started recording um, Leland getting chased out of uh, Lafayette Park, which is the park right in front of the White House. And then in the second half of that video, I actually started narrating. So I, I started letting, I, I'm like, I started narrating. I said, hey, you guys, Leland Rent, Fox News reporters getting attacked in front of the White House. Leland, Leland eventually makes it to the to the police line. He makes it safe. I actually run up right to Leland. I, I let him know that I recorded everything. He actually thanked me. And he gave me his, his business card. And right there, I, uh, like I said, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was like, really, I was just an intern. I came from a community college. So I go on Twitter. I put hashtag breaking. You know, Fox News reporters just got a type from the White House and just tweeted the video out. By the time that I, I took the Uber from that from that location back to where I was staying that night, the video had over like 100,000 views. I mean, my mm-hmm. notifications were ringing off the roof. But I didn't. I still didn't even know that I, at, at that time, I didn't know that I was actually breaking the biggest story in Washington, D.C. So when I fell asleep, I woke up. The video, the video had already millions of views, and I basically had every mainstream channel in my in my Twitter DMs asking to to to, to play the clip. Um, for those who don't know, I'm like I'm a huge like Tucker Carlson fan, so like I was watch- actually I was watching his show that following Monday, and Tucker opened up the show with the video, and I I freaked out. I had no I had no idea that he was going to do that. Um, so it actually ended up it's a crazy story, man, because basically my very first. Basically, 20 minutes on the ground reporting, I, I got to break the biggest story in D.C. And I went from, you know, the, basically my boss at the caller were like, well, you're, you're basically not going to be a regular intern. You're, you're basically ready to go now. So, you know, and, and so I basically just kind of kicked me to the front lines. And I was kind of the guy. And since I was an intern, I was working for free. It probably wasn't a bad deal for them either. Nice. And, and the, the, you know, the rides lasted all summer. So it kind of gave me an opportunity. You know, I was a, I was a young, hungry kid, a young, hungry kid that was coming from a community college. I knew that I had a, I had a big chip on my shoulder. I had to prove myself. You know, I don't have parents that, you know, went to Georgetown and went to Yale, like all oh, these other interns or other young journalists, you know, I come from a working class community, both my parents are immigrants. So I knew that I had to work my face off and that was the opportunity. And I just kind of ran with it. Man, talk about being in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yeah, man. It, it was a cra- crazy situation. Right place at the right time, but also like right in the middle of harm's way and for an extended period of time, yeah. you know, it's, it's uh, covering the George Floyd riots and the, the BLM movement that happened that entire summer across the nation is definitely something that you would consider you know, being spicy and in, in real life dangerous. There's a lot of, you know, reporters who, who took some real shots during that time. And, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, for, for the sake of, uh, having to do real journalism like you're doing right now you had to put yourself in, in harm's way more often than once yeah exactly man there was a there was a huge risk and you know at that time you know i was actually all i knew about black lives matter was basically kind of what the mainstream media told me you know they're just a kind of like an anti-police movement group looking right. for reform and they just they just marched and everything was peaceful it wasn't until i got on the ground myself that i actually saw really how how bad and dire the situation was i mean Within my first two days, I was seeing Washington Post and New York Times reporters getting smashed in the streets, getting their cameras equipment smashed, them getting assaulted, and within within the very few uh, you know first week of that reporting, they're they're starting to burn down black and brown owned businesses. That's something yeah. that's actually not talked about enough is that a lot of businesses were, that were burned down during the riots were actually minority owned businesses. 
And coming from California, a lot of the, when they ride in Los Angeles, a lot of the businesses that they actually burned down or looted were immigrant owned businesses that were like really trying to survive during the pandemic because a lot of these immigrant owners are still undocumented. So they couldn't actually get it like a PPP loan or a STEMI check. Right. They, they were really relying on every cell. And these people just went down and, and burned their business. So my eyes actually opened up to what the movement was. And the thing is, when I started posting a lot of this work, a lot of people that I went to school with were like calling me like a white supremacist or saying that I sold out. And I was like, yo, I don't I don't know too many white supremacists with the name Jorge. And I'm like, I'm driving a Honda Accord. So if I sold out, I must have did a bad job. I couldn't even get into a BMW or anything. Gosh. I mean, I'm looking at you through the camera right now. Our audience won't see it, but I can pretty much make the uh, deduction that you are not a white supremacist based off just looks. <laughs> Your name is Jorge Ventura, and you did say you are the son of immigrants. So, yeah, that's pretty crazy how that narrative shifts just pending off of kind of the uh, news you were reporting on, which was just happened to be true. All of the stuff that you said did, in fact, happen. And uh, well, all of the any of that news that would make the quote unquote Black Lives Matter organization mm -hmm. look bad was completely repressed by yes. Twitter, big tech, all that stuff. Anything that made them look even remotely bad wiped from the plate. Only the stuff that made them look completely innocent, you know, peaceful protest violent yet mostly peaceful like anything like that just just nonsense disingenuous reporting yeah so how did that uh action you saw during the summer kind of transfer into the work that you do now up on the southwest border that's a, that's a great question man so basically kind of like i was saying before so when i got the internship for the daily caller i saw myself as being you know kind of like a a White House correspondent guy working on Capitol Hill, interviewing Congress and senators. And after that, that experience with the Black Lives Matter movement and covering mm -hmm. the riots and civil unrest, I just like I just could not see myself doing that type of reporting. I was like, you know what? I'm really in love with this front lines kind of get out there, get my hands dirty type of journalism. I couldn't see myself actually going back to D.C. and kind of staying there and like i said just talking to senators and congressmen all day and mm -hmm. taking statements i was like you know what i kind of found my what i my calling i found my lane the, the great thing at the daily caller is after that my producers and and, and my higher-ups were like hey you did a really good job man like you basically just kind of invented your own position we're just going <laughs> to hire you as a field correspondent and basically wherever you think the story is we want you to to go so it ended up really kind of working out, which I'm, I'm really blessed. And that kind of is what transpired to the border reporting because as soon as the border became the hot issue, you know, we knew that we had to go, we had to get our hands dirty. And we wanted to actually show, you know, we wanted to show people like kind of the reality on the ground. And a lot of things in news actually are, are what I would say are a lot of things in news are kind of overhyped. You know, when you get there on the ground, it's sometimes not as bad or it's a different narrative. But with the immigration stuff, I actually found out that, um, it it's actually a lot worse in person because it's different when you're reading a newspaper or, 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 you know, an article, not a newspaper, and, you know, you're just seeing the numbers of the migrants apprehended or whatever. But when you're there in person and you're meeting the migrant women that were sexually assaulted and raped on the way to the southern border, when you're meeting, like, four-year-olds and, you know, six-year-olds, eight-year-olds, whatever, that that they came all alone or they were abandoned, I mean, those stories really hit you. And you actually get to, you know, when you're there in person, you're not, you know, it's not numbers anymore. You're actually seeing this is real-life human beings that are, are being taken advantage of by the Mexican uh, cartels in this situation. So that's how kind of everything really transpired to the frontline stuff. It was really after the riot reporting, I kind of was like, you know what, I can't, I can't see myself in a newsroom. I can't see myself 
at a press conference, you know, taking questions for a pod. I just, I just couldn't see myself doing that again. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty definitely inter- seems more interesting what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say an interesting aspect to your story right there. Now, one of the things I wanted to ask about, and I, I think it, it may be one of the biz, big misconceptions to people who aren't necessarily involved, um, either living or, you know, having anything to do down on the Southwest border, you know, you'll see it on TV, the border patrol waiting at the gates, letting in, you know, lines of migrants. You'll see file footage of the holding centers, with everybody wearing the foil blankets, and you'll see a picture of like some kids crying on the side of the road and, and this, that, and the other thing. But you've seen it up close and personal. Why don't you give just like a, a firsthand perspective of what's really going on um, in that portion of Texas that you kind of covered um, and, and, and what the real world issues, are, you know, are going on down there right now. So kind of just to kind of not like sum it up, but just kind of to give like a breakdown of, of what's happening. So what's basically happened is as soon as Biden administration came in, mm-hmm. they, they basically pulled back on a lot of the Trump or policies. One of the big ones that created kind of this whole madness was the remain in Mexico policy. So just for the audience who might not be too familiar is, when, when, if you if you cross into the U.S. illegally or want to seek asylum, particularly if you wanted to seek asylum, what the Trump administration did is said, okay, you can seek asylum, we'll let you do all that, but you have to remain in Mexico until your court case. Hmm. Because what the Trump administration saw was that when people seek asylum into the U.S. and cross in, we will actually let them stay in the U.S. and then we will give them a court date, and 80% of the time, these people will never show up. So what Trump did is said, okay, you guys have to remain in Mexico. So what that did is if you're a migrant back in Honduras or Guatemala, why would you take a huge risk of going, of, of first making the journey, crossing through Mexico, all the dangers of cartel controlled towns in Mexico, only only to cross and only to be told that you actually have to wait in either Tijuana or a border town in Mexico, which every border town in Mexico is extremely dangerous, by the oh, way, yeah. especially for migrants when it comes to human trafficking. So for migrants, that actually deterred immigration for a while. So when Biden pulled this, it all of a sudden opened up, you know, for the first time, they kind of saw the border open and then they saw an administration that was going to be more friendly towards immigration. But what the cartel saw was dollar signs. They say, hey, we can make so much money off human trafficking and smuggling more than ever because of this administration. So basically, just to kind of sum it up, is the cartels are taking advantage of these people and they're making up to, according to Border Patrol officials, they're making up to $14 million a day just off human smuggling. We're not even talking about the drugs yet. So what the car, when the, the reason why the cartels like this also is because what they'll do is they'll they'll pick out spots in Texas, particularly the Rio Grande Valley, yeah. and they'll push all these family units to one area. So what they'll do is they'll push all these family units to one So for, for Border Patrol, what that does is it, it creates a whole overwhelmed system because now they have to apprehend these family units. They have to separate the kids from from those who are like not really the parents, they also have to separate the unaccompanied minors. Since we're still going through a pandemic, they have to like get them COVID test them into facilities, bust them in. So it, it, it takes, it's a whole process for border patrol to deal with these large family units. So what that does is it opens up the border for the cartel to smuggle what they really want to. So it's drugs, weapons, whatever they need, mm-hmm. they're doing that. Now the border is open since border patrols is taken by these family units. And according to a border patrol agent that I spoke to since the start of the year, and this was back when I spoke to him two months ago. I would imagine the number could be higher. But since the start of the year, 
there's been a 600% increase in just fentanyl that's making yeah. itself into the country because of this issue. So it's overwhelming. And then at the end of the day, we don't have room for these people. I mean, these migrant facilities are so overcrowded yeah. with all these folks and they're starting to release COVID positive migrants into the public. It's a, to me, and I, I, I kind of kept saying this, it's a real humanitarian crisis. And I think one thing is for Americans, when they think humanitarian crisis, they think Afghanistan, they think Yemen. They don't think that it could come to, to this country. What's here is that's a southern border and it's happening every single day. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, uh, you know, to hear and, and things like that. You know, like you talked about with all the family units. Um, there, There's also a real dangerous component to that, too. One of our friends, someone who we've had on the show, I, I believe also you're familiar with, uh, Mike Miller. Um, in addition to all these family units and, and unaccompanied minors and, you know, um, economic migrant males who are coming in by the hundreds of thousands every month, um, there's also a really dangerous aspect to some of the other people who are crossing into people's uh, territory and property on the southwest border who aren't necessarily migrants, but are directly related to or are cartel members. Um, I know you've talked with Mike and know kind of about his situation. Uh, he was on our show a little over a month ago, but why don't you give a little bit of insight on, on the, some of the, you know, action that's coming across in regards to that aspect. Yeah. So for, for people who, who don't know, uh, a community that's really threatened by what's going on are Texas landowners and ranchers, especially with these large, you know, with these huge acres out there. And these, these cartel members and drug runners are actually breaking into these people's property, stealing weapons. I, I believe it was just two or three weeks ago. There was weapons stolen from Mike Miller. Mm -hmm. uh, last, uh, He's also been shot at by one of these drug runners on his own property. And what these migrants will do is they actually go into these properties, they break in, they steal whatever they need to steal, and they cause huge damages to these ranches. So uh, Mike Miller, who was, who was a Texas rancher in the, the Uvalde Del Rio part of Texas, you know, this issue is affecting the ranchers so much that he actually had to start his own kind of nonprofit foundation, which is called Warriors for Ranchers, yep. to raise money to help pay for these damages to the to this property. I was talking to Mike Miller. He said, um, according to all the damages done by migrants, he spent up to so at, at the right now a hundred thousand dollars just in damages. And yes. when I actually went to interview Mike Miller, you know, we're you know as we're traveling and we're, we're passing through different ranches. Eight out of the 10 ranches, nine out of the 10 ranches that we're seeing were actually up for sale because Texas ranchers are, are so sick of what's going on. They're like, hey, why would we even be here? This is a threat to our family. Obviously, the, the, the huge cost of repair and people and ranches like Mike Miller actually have to hire additional security just to just on their ranch, just for them to be home. I mean, it's pretty ridiculous statement that we have American citizens living like this yeah. near the border. But it, it's it's the truth. So for those who don't know, a lot of these Texas ranchers are, are getting sick of what's going on. They're putting their homes up for sale. Another kind of aspect that's that's not even talked about either is that a lot of Texas homes and apartments on the on, like I said on the Texas side are being used as stash houses mm -hmm. by the cartel. So people think that stash houses actually only happen in, in, in Mexico. It's it's not true. It's it's happening on the American side. So I was actually just interviewing a pastor who always rents out his, his three apartments and he actually rented out his three apartments to to an um to a Mexican American. And it was a, it was a, it was a single customer, and within a month of of making that of you know making that that deal with that that uh, Mexican American, he actually got a call from his neighbor, and his neighbor said, "Hey, uh, I think you need to come down and check out your apartments. I think something's going on here." And, and he's like, "Why? What's up?" He said, 
a young migrant woman just came to me from your apartment asking for food and there's 40 people it looks like there's like 40 people living in there <laughs> so they he had to call the sheriff and the police and they ended up finding 40 people in each of these apartments basically being human trafficking smuggled on the Texas American side so there's a huge criminal element that's 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 tied that's happening on the on the Texan side, but I really feel bad for a lot of these Texas ranchers who, you know, they call Texas home, you know, they invest a lot of money into their properties and they're putting up, they're putting up for sale because they can't, they can't deal with it. Um, I'm not sure what exactly governor Abbott, the, the Texas Republican governor is doing to protect these folks. I haven't seen anything really from his end. I know that just last week, or it was like last month, he announced that, that Texas is going to build their own border border wall and that he's, he's making a down payment of $250,000. I mean, I know when Republican voters read that, it's a sexy headline. Yeah. But uh, each 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 mile of border wall costs twenty million dollars, yeah. and only for those folks who don't know, um, between Texas and Mexico, only eleven percent of that land of that Texas Mexico boundary has any type of protection. That means eighty nine. So I'm not sure where that money is coming from, and I'm not sure when that border wall is being built. Right. Yeah. We saw a lot of. Uh... Interesting optics going on with uh, the current governor down there, Greg Abbott. And, uh, you know, we've talked to some law enforcement who, who work in in Texas online, and they basically said, you know, you see on TV that he's, you know, sending all us state troopers and, and Texas Rangers and all these people down to the border to, to stop migrants coming in who are COVID positive from being bus all north and, and things of that nature. And then when you get to the reality of it, the only thing that they've been allowed to do is pretty much occupy space in hotel rooms down there and kind of just have to stand by. Like, you know, he did say that he was sending local law enforcement and state law enforcement down to the border, which he's done, uh, but he's done nothing with them. And it's kind of like the same interesting component of that, like, um, you know, how he's talking about Texas is going to fund its own border wall and and getting a couple hundred million dollars together is is a good shock value number you could throw across a tv screen but when in the reality of it it's going to cost billions and billions of dollars to even you know make some headway with uh down there it's uh you know a lot of it's done for theatrics and it doesn't help or you know kind of bring us towards any kind of workable solution down there right now yeah i, I agree i think one thing would you know what people need to do is and i always say this is, is stop looking at these politicians like your sports teams you know mm-hmm. there's there's people that no matter how many mistakes these people do they'll they'll defend them i mean like i said you know greg abbott when he's when he when he announces these things it looks maybe sexy for a headline to a republican voter but when i'm on the ground and i'm talking to mayors that's not the case i mean i was talking to uvalde mayor don mclaughlin who says he can't even get a callback from Senator Cruz or G- G- Greg Abbott. And for those who don't know, Uvalde is one of the hardest hit border towns, not yep. only for migrants, but for drug runners. Yeah. Um, one thing that they, that they constantly run into is drug runners, um, uh, you know, migrants running away from the police down there. It's a small town. And you, a city like Uvalde only has five ambulances for a town of 16,000. And the mayor told me that majority of those days, three to four or sometimes all those ambulances are tied into dealing with migrants who are either they put them into trains and they're like dehydrated and they stop at Uvalde so obviously they need to help these people they're either injured from hopping on the border wall and all these other things so this is American taxpayer money so if you have you know if you have an abuelita or, 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 or grandma in the city of Uvalde who needs to go to the hospital who's an American taxpayer 
Well, she might have to wait a couple of hours because they're dealing with all these migrants and, and things like that. So it's a it's really bad. And it's, and it's a huge effect on the city and especially like the little local border towns who don't really have the reinforcements to deal with a humanitarian crisis. I mean, this is insane. This is I, I'm still surprised that I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but I don't know what the political gain is for the Biden administration not to solve this issue. I mean, it's it's like, let's just take the Democratic put. I mean, it's we have a humanitarian crisis at the border. We should be addressing it. And I just I, I can't fathom. I don't know why. I don't know what the political gain is. Um, I'm still I don't know if the word is bamboozled or, or what um, on why they don't have the urgency. Just last month, just last month, over 200,000. Let me repeat that. Over 200,000 thousand migrants were apprehended at the border and guess what that's not even counting the number of godaways yep. godaways are the migrants that cross into the border and the border patrol can't even apprehend them they're just detected but they're not apprehended we have no information on us so that number might be closer to 300,000 migrants that we let in, we let into the country last month that I mean we're, we're literally letting in whole countries and nations into the United States, we're the richest country in the world. No other country in the world would allow this, right. but we do. Um, I don't know why. I really don't. Yeah, we, we we did play some uh some audio not too long ago from the recently departed Border Patrol chief who said that that getaways number is usually around their ballpark estimate is two to one, um, apprehended to get away, and that that definitely puts us north of those forecasted numbers. That um, former- well, and who knows if you know. Maybe they don't want to admit sometimes they right. they lost them. Like who knows how were they just compounded because, that number? Yeah, is. they're so overrun. Sometimes they they just might get them go. But there there were numbers forecasted by Dr. Peter Navarro that put the the annual total this year of over one point two million that are just going to be apprehended. Now, if the ratio is two to one, you're talking over three million plus that are going to be coming across the border into the United States unvetted, without giving court dates. You don't know where they're coming from what any kind of background they have. Are they carrying or 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 spreading coronavirus or worse? Well you gotta figure the ones that are putting that much effort into getting away. Yeah and where they, they know they're not gonna get asylum or right kept here at all. They're most likely gonna be deported for however many other times they've been. Yeah it seems like every time there's like any kind of an uh you know big um incident where there's someone who uh you know, is the victim of a crime of someone who's in the country illegally. It's never like, oh, this person came in as a economic migrant family unit and the father was a hard worker. You know, he's getting his kids into school. It's always, you know, previously deported five times, previously deported 13 times. Yeah. Um, spent 10 years in jail before being deported and now is back in the country illegally doing bad things. So, And, it, and that's one of the worst things for the argument against the border infrastructure, the wall, whatever you want to call it, more sensors, more border patrol agents, just keeping a handle on people coming into your country, like regardless of whether or not they get to stay or not, but just an un, unmitigated flow of people that you don't know anything about coming in, it's dangerous on any level. And people just need to get past their, it's racism, it's you know xenophobia, it's you know whatever, all these things that they want to throw out, but it's like, this is how you protect a country. You you keep yourself safe by knowing who's coming in. And there, there shouldn't be anything necessarily wrong with that. And what do you think about that, Jorge? No, I mean, it, it's exactly like whether I think the thing for me is like whether you're Democrat or Republican, whatever, take take it out is 
we're the United States. We should protect our border. We should know who's coming in. Like I said, we're the richest country in the world, and we're allowing this. It's like a, it's a huge embarrassment, and this is going to be a burden on taxpayers, either by their security uh, being threatened because a lot of these folks are going to commit crimes, and we don't know who they are and what their background is. I was reading reports how in, in the Del Rio area they were making a bunch of arrests on on. On, on these uh, on these migrants who, who came in who previously got charged for like sexual assault or rape in the United States and they're now they're 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 back in. Not only that is the this huge influx of of, of migrants also hurts American workers, especially low wage American workers when it comes to wage growth. I mean, big corporations, guys. Let's let's not let's get it right here. A lot of a lot of your establishment Republicans, big cor- corporations. They love this stuff oh, yeah. because it keeps American wages down. They don't have to do anything about it. And it keeps them stagnant. So and every way you look at this, the American people are, 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 are there's no positive from this. And then let's also just kind of take a step back. The, pe- the, the people themselves who are coming on this journey, they're being taken advantage of by these cartels and these human smugglers and these coyotes. They're, they're selling them this false dream. That's not the reality. And I meet, a, you know, one thing that's not talking about, I meet a bunch of families or, or that, that get apprehended. And I would ask them, you know, where's their husband at? And they will literally say, hey, we came here as a family, but the, our husband, my husband, whatever, got freaking, he, basically they got kidnapped by the cartel in Mexico. They kept him. They kept the, the mail. So, so the people are being taken advantage of. The American taxpayer is hurting. It seems like there's no win. I don't know what the agenda is. It's, it seems like this is only a win for the elites if, if, if this is what they wanted and, and huge corporations. But no country would be doing this. Could you imagine China? Could you imagine China letting in this influx of migration and and not only you know folks with a whole different culture and set of values? It would ne- it would never ha- they would never allow it. We're the only country who does this. And while while we're talking about the southern border, we're about to let in thirty thousand Afghan refugees into yep. the into the country. Like, wait a minute. I thought you know we were I thought we were in a in a pandemic. You know, my governor here in California, Governor Gavin Newsom, he he just came out and put a statement that California is a state of refugee. Yeah. I'm like, refugee? I got all I gotta do is take a, a drive down to Venice Beach and we're like, you know, see all the home. We're the number one state at home in this, and you still want to let more folks in. We're not we haven't even taken care of ourselves yet. You gotta kind of feel like you're like you were saying, all the corporations and stuff, they're benefiting this, but it's not a sustainable thing to be doing. Like in inevitably it destabilizes any country this happens to. And we're kind of seeing the beginning of the end when it comes to the United States militarily speaking just being a, a superpower, like just all the stuff that's going on right now, we're just getting kind of trampled and kind of the laughing stock of the world at the moment. So it just it just goes with everything that's happening. None of it's a positive, and I don't see what the goal is, really. The only thing you can look at it from is kind of feeding into that one-world agenda, uh, you know, where the, the destabilization of the United States, starting with its border and infrastructure and going all the way up through its military. And then, and then I'll own nothing and I'll be happy about it. Yeah, exactly. Right. You'll, be, you'll be allowed to eat one cheeseburger a month. That's okay though. <clears throat> it, it's just crazy. So yeah, it, it, it's a sad reality right now. And, and like we always say, there's no reason why, I mean, obviously your family, Jorge is a direct representation of that. There's no reason why the, the United States still can't be the land of opportunity, but it just has to be done right. with some kind of structure and done the right way. Yeah. No, I I completely agree, and 
you know, talking about, you know, us being a superpower, I mean, we're losing our, our ground so quick. Yeah. China knows it. Yep. Um, I believe it, it was a few few months ago where, where Secretary Tony Blinken, he had the meeting in Alaska with, with, the, uh, with, with, with China, and China literally told him to his face that the United States doesn't speak to them from a strength of, of power anymore. Yeah, they, I mean, the ball they game, laughed at him. The ball, yeah, the ballgame is changing. And then, you know, for China, it's like, Everything is great for them because our own politicians, our own establishment, Democrat, Republicans, s- sell us out to China. They yep. they shifted so many great uh, middle class, high paying wage jobs when they agreed on that NAFTA trade deal. And yep. I can remember the politicians coming out and saying, oh, you know, with more free trade to China, there'll be less communists and they'll come to democracy. Um, we've only risen. We only basically risen China's power and diminish diminish ours, I guess, just. For the name of, of cheap Walmart products, I mean it's 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 honestly an embarrassing, and we're getting hit by every angle. You know this whole uh, uh, you know mess in the Middle East. I mean China loves to see that we're scrambling, and you know I was reading in a in a book, and I don't know you know I don't know how true it is that that you know the, the average I think lifetime of an empire is two hundred fifty years. Mm-hmm. I don't even think we're gonna even hit that, fellas. The way that we're destabilizing this country at, at at this rate, and the thing is, we're bringing this huge amount of Im- uh, immigration. Is we're bringing in, you know, people with, you know, their low skill, low wages workers. At the end of the day, you know, when these people get IDs and stuff, and they're gonna, you know, they get um, they're gonna get social benefits. That's coming out of our pocket, the American taxpayer. And it just seems that if you're a regular middle class American, that these politicians just don't represent us anymore. Wages don't grow in this country. Our healthcare system is horrible. You know, what's the what's the good of working a, a, a nine to five job? And what you send your kids to a university, and then they graduate with one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in debt. And now now our daughters and um, our daughters and sons who go to college, let's say, you know, just for example, let's say Joe and Sally, they, uh, you know, they go to a, a nice university. They both graduate. They're falling in love. They graduate at twenty two. You know, those couples like that are actually putting off marriages because they're so they're so indebted already by the college system. So we're actually seeing uh, less people get married in this country. The, the, the Our birth rates are are diminishing like crazy. And it just seems like we're really losing that structure. And then you have the mix of mainstream media who does a really good job of dividing everyone. So we're fighting over the little things that we don't know when they're really screwing us over. Yeah, that's, that's some excellent points. It's it's just really sad to see. And, and you know, doing a a weekly news roundup show and having guests on that kind of add commentary to it every week over the last, like, you know, nearly two years has just been kind of, it, it, it wakes you up even more because not only are you just watching it and maybe casually talking with your friends and stuff about it, but at the same time, now you're actually researching it, you're crunching numbers, and then you start to interact with people like you and all the politicians we've had on and, you know, they kind of just paint like a bleak picture. They always kind of leave it on a cheerful note, but at the same time, they're just kind of saying the harsh reality of it right now is something that's not looking too great on pretty much all ends. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. You know, I've been every, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of the border coverage, but um, a lot of Latino voters mm-hmm. who did vote for, for Biden are messaging me saying, I had no idea this guy was going to screw up our immigration this bad. And we're seeing a lot of, um, for instance, like in Texas, a lot of those border towns in Texas, for folks who don't know, they vote overwhelmingly Democrat. I'm yep. talking about and in the 2016 election. If you look at the numbers, they voted for like over 80 percent voted for Hillary Clinton over Trump. Yeah. If, if you look at the numbers now, all those counties right by the border have shifted Republican. They just voted in Javier Villalobos in the city of McAllen, the first time they've ever voted in a, I mean, they, they're seeing the effects 
on the ground of how it's affecting them safety wise, wages wise, environment wise. And I think when they see that, when you see the problem in your face, it's a whole different ball game. So I'm interested to see how maybe the rest of the country starts to, to react. But a lot of Latinos that I'm speaking to that did vote for Joe Biden, this one issue has really hit them hard when they see the videos and the kids and then all the migrant stuff, you know, into these facilities. And the, the Democratic Party is like nowhere to be found now, all of a sudden. Like now they don't, now like they don't even care. So that's like how to be a huge slap into the face to a lot of yeah. Latino voters. And we're also now seeing how Biden and Italian have Afghanistan. And then I was actually shocked to see how mainstream media has like turned their back on Joe Biden. It's, yeah. it's, oh, they're eating him right now. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of made the uh, the guesstimation not too long ago that, you know, even the people on the left at some point were going to get sick and tired of this. And it's become such a mess everywhere that they were going to eventually want to, uh, you know, get back to normal. And it just seems like every time it kind of dips down a little bit, we go into some other kind of major crisis and uh, kind of puts us into that spot to where, uh, you know, the people are just getting sick and tired of it. And the mainstream media is included. That's an excellent point, Jorge, you also made about those, those border towns. We did cover that not too long ago with twin three mayors. I believe it was one first time since the forties, one for the first time ever. And then, uh, you know, one for the first time in a long time, three, three mayors all at once, all, all got elected who are Republican because, you know, they feel like the, the, the Democrats and the left have, and the progressive movement have just kind of left them, you know, hanging out to dry in those towns and communities. And even last week, we were talking about how some of the hospitals down in uh, the McAllen area were so overrun that people who were non-emergencies were having the hospitals were basically telling them they had to drive five hours north to get any kind of uh, medical services because the hospitals were so overrun with the migrants that they have down there now. Yeah, so now your five-hour wait's a five-hour drive. Yeah, in addition to a five-hour wait when you get there. Congratulations. So, yeah, exactly. Um, Jorge, before we cut with you today, we want to be able to direct all of our traffic. We have a pretty decent listenership in regards to going out and, and really researching the people we have on here. Anywhere that they could find you, uh, whether you want to say where your documentary eventually will be available or your website, obviously where they can you know see some of the work you've done. Uh, would you mind giving out your, your social media information as well? Yeah, so um, if you guys want to see a lot of my work, um, check me out on, on Instagram. At Instagram, it's it's Jorge Ventura TV. I post my full stories on Instagram. So if you're even just on that app, you could you could get full stories from me through IGTV. I'm always doing um, every day. I do article updates, so I'm always putting up the most kind of interesting things that I find in the news up. So you'll be a kind of updated and informed there. Uh, Twitter is a great great spot. I've been sure report if if you want to kind of get like what's happening in real time and like when the news really breaks. Twitter is a fantastic thing. Um, a lot of my work is still, guys, is on, on a dailycaller.com. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, our YouTube video is, uh, I mean, a documentary is going to be out on the Daily Caller YouTube. So really easy, guys. If you guys literally just type in Daily Caller on YouTube, their channel pops up. You subscribe. Our documentary will be out there. Um, it is going to be released in September. We're just, we're just like I said, we're wrapping up kind of our, our last little bit of filming. And then I'll have that exact date. For you guys, the documentary is going to be absolutely free. It's not going to be behind a paywall. It's going to be out for the public and and for you guys to consume. So check out a lot of all my content. You guys will be really informed. And I think I think your audience will, will like what, what what we got going on there. Nice. Yeah, we definitely like what you got going on there. You've been working really hard, um, exposing a lot of stuff and putting yourself in harm's way as a uh, you know in the field journalist down on the southwest border. We, we're very thankful to finally catch up with you as well. 
And uh, we hope maybe after your documentary comes out, you can come back and, and, and talk to our audience about, you know, what's going on with that. And then we can get kind of a bigger update on what's really going on down on the Southwest border again. Yeah, no, let, let's do it guys. Uh, like I said, as soon as I have my dates on September, let's figure out a nice day. Cause I would love to come on and kind of go deep dive into this, to the story about, about what the Mexican cartels are doing. And just, I can't say too, say, say too, too much yet, but uh, we'll love to come on after and yeah. and yeah, that'll be a great, a great breakdown because I think a lot of folks, you know, they think about, like you guys were saying, they think about the Mexican cartels. They don't think that it could be in their neighborhood or their yeah. community. Um, well, they're out here and they're yeah. operating pretty, pretty freely right now. So they might be your um, next door yeah, neighbor. I really appreciate you guys for having me on. Awesome. Jorge, thanks for coming down with us and we look forward to having you back soon. You take care. Cool. Thanks guys. Well, it's pretty interesting to see how the, uh, the media has kind of, not warmly received the current occupying administration's efforts um, in Afghanistan, to say the least. What do you think, Noah, about how some of the uh, press has kind of turned? Uh, I like it. It's 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 nice to see the media kind of being honest. If if you could throw them that far, hmm. that's about the only I thing think, I can say. Yeah, I think it's planned. I think it's all planned. Remember mm-hmm. what Donnie said on. On January sixth, the twenty fifth amendment's not coming for me; it's coming for you, Joe. Yep. Well, yeah. Nobody ever thought yeah. he was going to finish a term. I just like. Oh, did you hear the uh, or read the 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 little articles that were saying that a White House staffer overheard Kamala Harris screaming, yeah. "You're not going to pin this shit on me." Yep. I would kill for audio for that. That'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I, no, I was hoping that something would come well, out. If, it it would. It would probably come along with uh <laughs> They're not gonna pin it on me. <laughs> You're like a nervous cackle. Yeah. Cackle, cackle. While she's not attending to the border crisis. Oh, scissor me timbers. There you go. Um, <laughs> Joe Doucheboro this week. Doucheboro. Right. One of our epic meltdowners mm. kind of got into it a little bit and laid into the administration. Let's hear kind of uh, what his show was looking like. Response to that talk about it right now, because if I were a Republican running, I would say Democrats can't protect us across the world. Democrats can't protect our street Mm. and Democrats can't protect us at the border. Mm. There is. We don't talk about it enough. Uh, There is a massive border crisis on the southern border right now. Uh, And if Democrats don't want to talk about it, that's fine. Uh, It will find them. Uh, over the next uh, 16 months uh, politically. Uh, And then there's this chaos in Afghanistan. And we've talked about crime, uh, which, of course, I had people telling me for a year, oh, it's just an exaggeration, law and order, racist, bigoted, whatever. Eric Adams runs on protecting streets and police reform. He wins the Bronx. He wins Queens. He wins well, Staten Island, uh, and he wins Brooklyn. He wins everything except for the, 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 the sort of wealthier parts of Manhattan. And Democrats have to understand this is coming, and I don't know where mission control is on the Democratic side, uh, but somebody, Donnie, needs to get that, and they need to start responding. It's pretty funny how he kind of talks about just a lot of the narrative that, that Teddy Daniels touched on. In regards yeah. to some of the major issues, open borders and, uh, you know, our stance militarily abroad, even down to uh, defund the police or don't. 
Uh, it seems like they're kind of trying to change the narrative and the optics on that moving forward towards 2022. But I just think part of the uh, overall narrative to hear out of that is kind of interesting because, I mean, MSNBC is one of those. I mean, they may as well have flown the gay pride or trans pride flag in Kabul, Afghanistan over their news organization because that's just kind of the gaslighting garbage that they represent on a you know, nightly basis with all the trash that they put out there. Um, It's kind of weird to just see them take a broad brush stroke though, across the entire top to bottom of the uh, administration like that big swipe. I like it. Yeah. Same. I love it. I'm surprised, but it's great. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think Joe Scarborough is in any position to talk about protecting anything though. I can't even protect the people that work for him. Exactly. He might, he, he might even be the one who, did all that damage well <laughs> i definitely murderer, murderer. one of the uh things we like to hear about is just how rigged and stolen the election was so, rigged and stolen jumping into his uh next interview over the course of the last couple of days trump appeared with Greg kelly on newsmax kind of confusing about that one too right i mean he's yeah. kind of a he's been like a career weirdo and i know that donald trump's family and Greg Kelly's family kind of have some history back when he was a local reporter. And I think, uh, you know, people in Trump's family kind of associated with his mother and father because they were involved in some stuff over in NYC. But uh, he did appear on there to talk about Afghanistan, but also talked about the consequences of a rigged election. So let's kind of hear that real quick before we jump into some more commentary. And now I know the leadership because, you know, I got criticized because they said he shouldn't be speaking to the head of Taliban. Well, who am I going to speak to? That's the right guy. And I let him know, don't do this, don't do that. I got a Abdul. I said, uh, how are we doing, Abdul? We had a very good conversation, but I let him know very strongly what would happen. This would have never happened if the election wasn't rigged. And there are consequences to a rigged election. This would have never happened. The southern border was the strongest it ever was, and now it's the worst. I mean, People are pouring in, including people from the Middle East. They're pouring in. So, you know, it's kind of a lot of facts to that statement right there. Um, You know, and it's one of those things where uh, you kind of have to take it for what it is. We are experiencing and living through right now the consequences of a rigged and stolen election. And, uh, you know, the numbers don't lie. We've covered them in extent on this show. And, uh kind of have played every single expert in the field that reiterates the same things that, you know, we've been able to do. Um, And it's just one of those things where, you know, kind of interesting to see what's going to come. Feeling like waves starting to crest a little bit. I I just think the momentum, it's going to be hard to swing back in the other direction. Um, You know, and, and it's one of those things that we need to take into account that, uh, is going on right now. What do you guys think just overall, like the optics of this, like what, what was the huge change? It seemed like just a month or two ago, we were so almost backed into a corner. You know, we, we kind of hold the narrative that the the Patriots are in control and there's so much stuff going on behind the scenes, but it, it seems like it's actually starting to unfold a little bit before our eyes in regards to, I mean, this stuff is boomeranged in like less than a week. Did you expect anything different, though? Yeah. I mean, from us, at least. I mean, people that aren't as well-researched as, as we are, some people that listen to this show 
might feel that way. Right. But uh, yeah. for, for me, it's it's kind of always been a feeling of that we're in control and it's just moves on the chessboard and that we're watching. Reassurance like that mm -hmm. is the case. Yeah, people I feel like things have been accelerated, though. It, and I saw an, an analogy the other day, and I think it really holds true. Okay. Um, when you're watching, you know, an average person watches two master chess players play each other. They have no idea how many moves are left on the board, yeah. but the two master chess players do. And um, when these two are playing each other, say there's seven moves left on the board. Both master chess players know that there's seven moves. The guy who's winning knows he's going to win. All he yep. has to do is do what he was supposed to do. The guy that knows he's going to lose, his only option Prolong is it. to try to try to get him to make a mistake and throw things at him to try to get, get him to make a mistake. And if the guy who's got checkmate within those seven moves just does exactly what he's supposed to do, what he planned to do, he will win every single time. Um, and most people are not master chess players and can't see those moves on the board. They can't understand it. So it's it's very difficult for the average individual. But I think now it's finally the dust is settling and people are starting to see that uh, the Patriots have these guys in checkmate. Yeah, I, I like agree. That. And I think that, that what they're doing is just prolonging their, the inevitable. Exactly. And that's, you know, with that analogy, that's the only thing that the losing side can do. Just prolong what's, you know, what's really. What do they going. have left? What Nothing. other false, exactly. false flag events do they have left? Yeah, they, they had like, what, three bomb threats and a mass shooting just yesterday. And Did anyone care? Like, nobody cared. Right? Nobody cared. <laughs> People went on. Like, Shit, the, they fucking knew. The guy, <laughs> like, okay. They what? tried to frame, frame. oh, it's the Q people. It's the, the, the MAGA people. Yeah, no one bought it. Dad, dad, they, oh, what, how did he kill his two children? God, that's so sad. With a, but. With a spear, like a fishing yeah, spear? Yeah, a fishing yeah. spear. Because they're queuing on No, the, the there is no kids fucking were queuing on either. <laughs> his kids were reptilians, and he killed them because they thought they were Try better. <laughs> the, the guy who parked outside of the uh, congressional library yesterday and, and threatened to have a bomb in his truck. Yeah, had, with like a dead man switch on like a like a Gatorade jug or some shit. Well, he he, he was Facebook living it. The, basically the negotiations that were going on. And if you go and find videos of it where it's actually the screen of the Facebook lot, people are just trolling the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they see it because did you see the picture of the other crisis, crisis actor that looks exactly like him? Yes. He's, he's an NYPD cop. He's a doctor. He's in the military. He's a firefighter. It's the same, same person. Yeah. Look just like that guy. Yeah, didn't didn't they find out like he he wasn't like it didn't fit their narrative they were trying to like suppress like what he was saying he was a, he was for biden he's like a biden supporter yeah they're no, like, he, oh, said he, didn't like, he was there because he didn't like what the biden administration was doing really that, that's what he said okay, yeah in a live video that's what he said and maybe it was a fake media saying that i'm sure it was that's what they do they don't know. tell you the full story yeah it's also it's also been leaked in regards to this narrative over the last couple of days that Joe Biden's State Department moved to cancel a critical State Department program implemented first by Trump aimed at providing a swift and safe evacuation of Americans at a crisis zones like Kabul. We'll never need that. Yeah. Um, the National Pulse was the one that leaked that and then went into extensively talk about it. And it's just embarrassing about how much they decided to just say fuck it. I mean, like I like like. You yeah, know, but saying fuck it's one thing. But then not yeah. acting to solve the fucking problem. Like, we should be, like, literally what what Teddy said. We should be, like, there should be no stone left unturned to find resources. Fucking lie, cheat, and steal. Question. I mean, we you should be stealing airplanes. You set that trap, though? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. he, 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 he... I think it was... Got him. Well, think about it. He negotiated peace and, and negotiated for a pullout on May 1st. 
that was after his administration. If he was able to negotiate that, you don't think he could have negotiated a pullout for December yep. or early January when he was still in office? He knew exactly what was on the board and exactly what was going to happen, and he left that on the table so the American public could see what a disaster this administration and how incompetent this administration is. Because if, if they didn't do that, no people would be still saying, oh, Biden's so good. Now, now even the liberal left is like, yo, get this guy out. Like they're literally on Barack Obama had to turn off his comments. Barry Sortetto <laughs> had to turn off his comments because everybody's like, hey, Barry, can you say something about Afghanistan? We yep. need some help here. And he turned <laughs> off his comments. They're turning on Joe Biden. Yeah, they, they really are. And, and there's been some, you know, insiders kind of revealing that the third Obama term with the help of people like Holder and Kerry and Brennan and Rice, who are all connected to George Soros, are, are mm-hmm. kind of being, you know, the veil is being pulled to, to reveal their intentions right now on a global context. Because just when you look at it, Afghanistan, you, you know, and, and how the mainstream media is trying to, like we said, paint the Taliban as something that's just absolutely awful. And let me just clear the air because we did touch on it a little bit earlier in the show. The Taliban are terrible. Sharia law is awful. Yeah. So, I mean, children's rights, women's rights, equal opportunity, voting rights, all that stuff, it's all out the window. You know, it's one of those things where it's probably the lesser of two evils. But is it the same thing as ISIS and Al-Qaeda and Al-Shabaab and things like that? No, it's not. They do not, like, their whole thing is not to, like, go around and spread Islamic extremism all over the world by beheadings and burnings and bombings. Do they shoot people in the middle of the streets for, I mean, I saw the other day, some kids were looting a grocery store. Mm -hmm. They brought out a fucking anti-tank over-the-shoulder missile and had the kids, like, walk out with their hands over their head because the kids were hiding in the store, and he's like, that's fine, you don't want to come out, I'm going to blow the whole fucking thing up. And then you see, like, the kids come. kind of invalidates the, you know, looting the store if you just blow the store up because it got looted. Right. Everything. I kind of wish we did that here during our rides. I know. I know. It would have took took one one of those. That's all it would have took. One of those. They might have actually gotten into that uh, Target cash register then. God. Yeah. The guy guy who stole the Legos. Did you see that video in the beginning? (laughs) Everybody's looting the cash register and this white dude in the background is walking out with a box of Legos at Target. And the finally got the the Millennium Falcon. The chick in Minneapolis that was like taking designer lamps and shit. Yeah. That's embarrassing. So no, but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things where it may be the lesser of two eagles. So don't let the narrative that the media is painting for you right now necessarily shape the way you think about things. Um, well, they're the conservative Islamists that just want to be left the fuck alone. Like, yeah. who the hell are we to tell them what to do and you know to to dictate their daily do like you know we shouldn't have been life? there in the first place. And listen, exactly. we've known that the tally bros weren't the worst ever, going all the way back to the beginning of the Afghan war. Because if you read some of, I remember. I can't remember who the general was who was in charge of part of that operation, but when he wrote, like, his memoir, I read it, and he literally talked about how everyone knew once they finally got to Kabul and occupied it, there were so many people on the ground, including the CIA, who knew they let Mullah Omar, who was the leader of the time of the Taliban, walk right through a crowd of them in a church, out the door, and into the wind. And if they were supposedly so bad and so evil... And he was the equal to Osama bin Laden at the time because, you know, a lot of people in the media painted him that way. Uh, why yeah. would they let him basically walk scot-free and, and never to be seen exactly. again? Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things that I, I really do like to go back and kind of encompass myself in the whole history aspect of it and look from all the different points of views and stuff like that. So, you know, while this narrative is being shaped, you have countries like Russia and Iran and the CCP-led, you know, Chinese Communist Party 
all getting in there on one of the fifth largest copper reserves in the world. It's like the number yep. one lithium reserve in the world. And yeah, ironically enough, are we trying to make like all electric cars in the United States? The Green States? New Deal, yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. China. So, well, the thing so yeah, is, let's just deliver all the resources to China. That way they can own us some more. Like, like the, Yeah, like they've been doing throughout the continent mm-hmm. of Africa for the last 20 yeah. years. They go into places that are war-torn and say like, hey, those are some pretty blown-up buildings you got there. You want to sell them? Yeah. You want us to build you new ones? You'll only owe us forever, but I mean, it's just money. And then we'll trade you for these rocks. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, we'll trade you Hunter Biden. You like child labor? Huh. No. We, we like child <laughs> well, labor. Real quick, if you want to go back to the way back machine and mention, mention generals from early on in the war, I don't think anybody's really talked about it a lot. Um, there's one general that comes to mind who is very outspoken for many years about the situation in Afghanistan. And I just find it awfully coincidental that uh, this is going on and he's very closely tied to Donnie and everything that's going on with the audit. You know, his name is on the tip of my tongue. I've stood next to his bodyguards. I've seen him speak several times. Hmm. He went, you you guys had media passes for events that he was, he was speaking at. Correct. Yeah. Didn't he, didn't he go through a really hot room we were in and say, it's hot as balls in here. Have fun losers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he is really good friends with Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell. Sidney Powell. So if you guys don't know who that is yet, uh, you clearly aren't listening to this show enough, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's America's general. Yeah. Our favorite general, general Michael Flynn. Very outspoken about Afghanistan. And did you guys watch Plot Against the President? Yes. The documentary? Yes. Remember when the transition team was coming in, uh, Barry was like, uh, yeah, hire your own guys. You know, don't don't. But the only two that you shouldn't talk to are Kim yeah. Jong-un and, and Michael Flynn. Yep. And, <laughs> and wasn't, wasn't that the reason the riff between Obama and Michael Flynn because of how outspoken he was about the handling of Afghanistan yeah, and what like, they were doing over there. He initiated mm-hmm. the Afghanistan papers and, and said like, this is a, not only a big fucking waste of money, but it's corrupt as fuck top to bottom. Everything that's going on mm-hmm. over there. Yep. Very so outspoken. you don't think he didn't have conversations with Donnie about this. Oh yeah. And still probably does. Mm-hmm. Well, did you see what I think national file just put out? Oh, I about, love, the, love the national file. Uh, it's our friend, Tom Pappert, Chris, Chris Miller said oh, yeah. recently, did you see what he said? I'm seeing said, oh, we told yeah. everybody that we were going to do a complete withdrawal. Yep. But we we actually weren't going to do a complete withdrawal. We were going to actually leave troops there and special forces um, and special, special forces, yep. which, again, leads me to believe that this entire thing that's happening right now is staged and was set up as, a, as an operation by the, the White Hats. Oh, listen, just based off the sole okay. fact that Donald Trump has had one on one comms with the leader that never happens. Okay, no. being Xi Jinping or Putin, that's completely different than being Abdul. Um, that's number one. Abdul. So <laughs> Abdul. Number two, Abdul. I'm not happy. <laughs> is that his actual name? Got to get the troops out. It is Abdul. I'm name. not happy. It so, sounds like one. Yeah. No, it is his name. Um, but yeah. you, you know, he's got the finger up. Yeah. Definitely the finger up, the point, the open palm. The, he he that, transitions the, the, to them. The middle finger and thumb touching together yep. perfectly every time. You so, watches a speech in Afghanistan, Trump's, and then where Abdul comes in to speak. It was actually really funny the way he uh, <laughs> he did his speech. Trump's expressions are hilarious. Yeah. Actually, George News has it on on their YouTube. Check it out. It's so I'm funny. surprised YouTube still allows it. Right? Oh, but makes you right. wonder, right? Who's in control? 
I mean, I'd love. Does the Taliban have a YouTube channel? On YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Yeah, all beheadings, 24 hours a day. Okay, so just before we get off Afghanistan, <laughs> no, listen. There have been people online that have been trolling the official press accounts for the Taliban. Like I've seen people have DM'd me. No, they're asking. I saw somebody last night, the one guy who'd gone around who said the Facebook fact checker guy. Yeah. The audio we played last week too. And they they asked the account if the Taliban was gonna ban anime. And the Taliban anime? Yeah, that guy came back and said, I do not understand what is this anime. And (laughs) no, they literally sent a picture of of like five girls sitting on a couch. They were like the anime cartoon girls, but like they have like the animal ears on top. Yeah. And like their shirts are busting open with their boobs coming out of like their schoolgirl <laughs> uniforms. And he's like, we do not mind this because this cartoon, not real. <laughs> so hentai, hentai is okay. So yeah, apparently the, the Taliban's going to let an, anime stay. And what about FES tentacle then? porn? So, <laughs> I wonder if they're going to start ordering some waifu pillows. No, but it, it was, it was the thing too. Cause like, and I saw another one, like somebody officially, tweeted at them like hey we're in the spanish embassy please don't kill us we're trying to get to the airport don't worry we hate the account yeah and we said we hate the united states too and they're like that's okay you guys can leave (laughs) 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 they made us come here they said the u.s made us come here so they're like yeah we could let you guys leave and i'm just like this is really going on right now so like they're negotiating on twitter Yes. That's amazing. Yeah, they're negotiating with terrorists that, where their own government can't even get in contact with these people. Hey, I saw the, I saw the- And Donnie's still not allowed. Yeah, they're like, hey, maybe we should give Trump back his Twitter account so he can fix this shit. The French and the British have been running some special- Abdul, do you remember me? Some special ops <laughs> out, of, out of Kabul to get their people out over the last 24 hours, and, and the videos are pretty intense. They're like driving through gates and oh, yeah. vehicles and- you know, having British paratroopers go in there and, and kind of like go street to street to get their citizens out, and we still have not gotten any of ours. Yeah, out. and we've well, hamstringed our you entire. I think is actually legit because there's so much disinformation and propaganda. I mean, the Pentagon from like like mid 2000s to 2010 or 11 spent half a billion dollars in psyop. Yeah, like, well, I don't necessarily. Our teams besides NPR Joe teams besides Joe Kent, who we had on last week. I don't really trust anybody else from the Central Insurrection Agency. Yeah, so well, insurrection. I mean, did you see uh, what the British? Well, first off, I want to know what you guys think about the the Brits holding the Biden administration in contempt. I like it, mm. albeit um, unofficial. Which I think is, it was is still very, yeah. wi- wildly interesting. Um, but did you see what the British did to the Nazis? In World War II, and they used all inflatable tanks and yep. planes yeah. and trucks. Yeah, and then yeah. You, then you look at the pictures of the 1109. Yeah, yeah. Which coincidentally, 1109. The plane that's uh, de-winged plane in Washington. That they left, and people were falling off of and falling from the sky again. Another way to pull on Americans' heartstrings. Like all the Republicans are like, "Oh, we need to go back and save these people. We got to go back to war." Yeah, they're pulling on everybody's heartstrings. But you look at it. One, the, the numbers aren't in the same spots. The windows look blacked out. Yep. And it doesn't look, it looks like a little beefier than the original, the real yeah. plane. Yep. It doesn't and look the same. Cheering, you think, uh, as they're like running or like alongside, like, hey. Yeah. And a, so jet, a, a jet engine with that kind of power can blow. A there'd car. be so much wind and their, 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 their Taliban head headdresses and, and things that they're wearing would be blowing everywhere. There was nothing like that yeah. with the jet engine going like that. So to me, it looked like that was completely staged just to, sh- to pull on the Americans heartstrings. And I heard that those planes were actually dismantled. I don't know for sure. I'd have to do much more digging on that, but apparently the that- ones that were used in the missions in and around operation scorpion, uh, the one plane that's featured is apparently de winged and in Washington. So, 
it's kind of weird yeah, it? based on like maybe the call sign and how that plane's coming back up. And then, you know, I did, I did see a politician go and get all choked up talking about the people that were like falling off of it at the airport. And he's like, man, it just, just reminds me about like the building, you know, the people that couldn't get out that were above the fire. And then he's like, mm-hmm. and so it's like, come on, man, you give negative shits about that person that fell off that plane. Yeah. Right. I mean, they wouldn't allow that, though. Like, no, I definitely you, don't think they that would it was not a like, go, like, you know, keep going and knowing that people are on the plane. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> that, that was the thing that no. got that weirded me out. I was just like, I can't imagine that they would still take off when that was happening. Like, they, I mean, granted, exactly. they would be overrun if if it was a situation like that. But the right. people running around the plane, like climbing on it and stuff like that. But it definitely didn't strike me. Like, I know there's the whole inflatable plane thing or whatever but Theory. i mean maybe a repainted plane made to look like a air force plane or whatever if that tail number or whatever has actually been decommissioned and all that stuff if that wasn't the actual plane but it didn't strike me as a because i saw i watched the video of it and it didn't strike me as like a fake plane for sure like you don't, that's definitely you don't not, find it odd that they they showed the video of all of the afghan people around like climbing on in front of it and then they didn't show the plane actually take off. They just show it in the One air shot. with people yeah. falling. Like, yeah. you don't find that odd. That's and, interesting, and yeah. The fact that how many people that were there probably got run over if that really did happen. Like, yeah, that you'd plane be getting smashed. Huge. That's not like a small plane. Plus, like I said, the jet engines. There would be so much wind and, and force. The force, though, would suck them in. Yeah. And yeah. Well, those, those, engine, are, those engines, engines are pretty high off the ground away from. But there was no, like, they, they wear full, like, dresses almost and they were like they weren't floating around like there was no wind whatsoever that would cause a lot of wind in the area because there's so such powerful jet engines yeah cobble not talk like a regular boeing jet and cobble is in the base of a canyon too it's extremely harsh conditions over there so yeah um moving on but keeping the same pace you know we've covered up covered up to this point the administration's mess in in asia and now we're, we're we're heading down to some of the more domestic issues which we necessarily shouldn't be but Instead of coming and giving any insight on on what's going on in Afghanistan the day after he gave his 20-minute speech and left immediately without taking questions, Joe Biden came back the next day to give a shorter speech and also take no questions, um, but be balder in the back. Yeah, I saw that. That was weird. I mean, like James has said, and we say it all the time in this show, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Antoinette's in the same, we're watching a movie. I mean, you can't literally have somebody, the Camp David picture, whether it was from May or March of this year and to now, there's no way the entire top of his head went bald in three months like that. (laughs) Maybe he's got a shitty barber. It's like. Yeah. And and it's like even between the two days, the ball spot was like not only a little bit bigger, but it was like higher. So it's just like, can they not pull the, the latex mask on enough or whatever? But regardless, instead of talking about any of the fires that he's created throughout this country and the world. Joe Biden took to the stage to talk about forced vaxes and Whoa. talking shit about Ron DeSantis, something mm-hmm. he really likes to do. Yeah. Or then I just couldn't agree more with what they both said. And that's why today I'm directing the Secretary of Education, an educator himself, to take additional steps to protect our children. This includes using all of his oversight authorities and legal action, if appropriate, against governors who are trying to block and intimidate local school officials and educators. Hmm. And as I said before, if you aren't going to fight COVID-19, at least get out of the way of everyone else who's trying. You know, we're not going to sit by as governors try to block and intimidate educators protecting our children. 
For example, if a governor wants to cut the pay of a hardworking education leader who requires masks in a classroom, the money from the American Rescue Plan can be used to pay that person's salary, 100 percent. I'm going to say a lot more about children in schools next week. But as we. Yeah. And then he decided to garbage. Yeah. He, he got back on the helicopter and flew back to Delaware, but it was a short lived revacation because Afghanistan interrupted his previous vacation because he got so much bad press for going back and then putting a lid on pretty much the next week. He put for four days, no schedule event and they just kept killing him. He fucking had to go back to Washington DC and he was there today. So the green, the, the green reason? helicopter, the electric helicopter, right? Yeah. What'd you say, James? Did you- did you see the reason why he went back to Delaware? Because he wasn't getting good night's sleeps. Yeah, he couldn't sleep. Yeah. What a fucking joke. Are you kidding I want me? My basement. Literally, literally. I want my basement and my chocolate chocolate chip. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need my chocolate chocolate chip ice cream. No, it's 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 a total joke. One of the like biggest cherries. is that like optically, regardless of if it's real or not or staged, optically it's one of the biggest disasters in American history in foreign policy. Hands and down. he's literally going to Delaware because he can't get enough sleep. Donald Trump, he literally waited till 2 a.m. in the morning yep. to greet our prisoners of war that came home and made sure he saw them in person and shook their hand. Yep. Two in the morning, yeah. he was up till. This guy's in his set. Like, it's not like Joe Joe Biden, Joey Bag of Donuts is much older than 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 Donnie. No. Right, oh, of course. That's he, what a real leader does, not not what Joey Bag of Donuts is doing. And and not for nothing, his his two speeches, did you guys happen to see his massive teleprompter and at the very end leave it now. literally says in big bold yellow letters leave now leave now because <laughs> the, they they know he'll sit there and answer questions like he has in the past like walking away like someone will ask him a question and he'll answer it like an idiot and look like a moron and i, I want him to read i want him to read leave now like sal- salute the marines no you know what the thing is too and i bet you the person that's in his earpiece probably starts screaming stop stop yeah stop until he's out of the room because if he ever catches like when someone that's the one thing that's funny about all of these joe biden that are out there regardless like these two speeches back to back afghanistan and then covid bullshit it was black eyes yeah okay there were no blue eyes it was big bald spot on the back this wasn't blue eyed hair plugged could barely walk with his feet that turn in yeah um <laughs> y- you know but if anybody talks shit to either one of them he'll stop in his track and Jump into the hey, listen here, Jack. Listen here, fat. Yep. And yeah, we we'll have a push up competition. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna have a push up competition. I'll take you back behind the gymnasium. Oh my god, what an absolute joke. It's an I, embarrassment. Uh, so if there's anybody here listening that has the technological skill and the happens to be in the area, like if we could jam the earpiece, that would be brilliant. Can you imagine? <laughs> just like earpiece just goes me just gone. And he's just like, uh uh leave now. I'll take uh, questions. Where, where, where did Barry go? I can't hear him. Yeah. <laughs> I can't hear Barry. He said something about pajamas, oh. and that was it. You know, oh, he said I, he said he's got ice cream in the back. I'm I'm, I'm gonna go get it. <laughs> I hope he's got chocolate chocolate chip. Chalky chalky chip. You guys hear about Joe Biden arguing with uh, Ron Klain to not let Biden go back to the White House? Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I find it all so interesting. Like, remember when Lynn Wood went to the White House? Nobody was there. You have Jen Psaki in the press pool room, and it's in a, during a no-fly zone over the White House. You see her jets flying over. Yep. Yeah. He's going to Delaware. Like, there's so many gaping, like not tiny little holes, gaping holes in their story and their narrative to 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 poke holes at and 
say what what they're telling us is is all stage and, and kabuki theater. Yeah, they can't keep up with us. And now that we've no. the the technological advancements that you know the 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 patriot movement has harnessed and and uses as their weapon is just unstoppable mm-hmm. at this point. There's I can only imagine going back and living through life and watching television 20 years ago, knowing what I know now just to see how much was faking gay. Oh yeah. You know what I'm saying? It all was, it all was even 10 years ago, dude. I I couldn't imagine like between deep fakes and clones and rubber masks and, and just weapons of mass destruction. God, people that still believe everything that they told us has been a lie. Yeah. People that still think everything, everything is a lie going. Huh? I said people that still think nukes are actually real. I know, yeah. right? It's 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 silly, it's absolutely astonishing, and and it's amazing time to be alive because this could not have happened even ten years ago. No, the, the oh, this yeah. digital army that that was built, it wouldn't be have the effect that it does today. Um, yeah, so agreed. It, it's truly a, a blessing to be alive in this time and be be a part of history because that's what we are. Everybody that's involved in this, the small accounts, the people that are speaking the truth to their friends and family every everybody who's out here fighting for the truth is is a part of one of the greatest points in his, in american history because we are going to restore this republic we won't stop until it is we're not just going to give up and, and go quietly no there's no way we, there's there's no option for that Mm-mm. there's no option and 10 years ago it would have never happened never i agree yeah yeah w- one of the things i want to touch on um Moving forward, I, I did have some audio of of kind of uh, Walensky from the CDC talking about now how, and and you could almost see it in her face when she's reading the teleprompter talking about how an overwhelming majority of the cases right now stemming from the research that's been done in Israel and now starting to hit domestically, getting close to sixty percent of all the COVID cases are those uh, breakout double vaxxed people, and she's like reading the teleprompter, you see her start to squint, and she's like have been fully vaccinated and it's just like <laughs> yes the people that got the the vaccines are now the ones catching it and catching it worse than ever before it's <laughs> amazing are you sure you want me to say this yeah uh, like <laughs> did anybody proofread this but that was almost as bad as maria bartiromo's face who yeah when donald trump went on there and started talking shit about the booster shots that's a shorter clip and i do want to play that one real quick sure uh, if you're a pure businessman you say, you know what, let's give them another shot. That's another $10 billion of money coming in. I, the whole thing is just crazy. It doesn't, you wouldn't think you would need a booster. You know, when these first came out, they were good for life. Then they were good for a year or two. And I could see the writing on the wall. I could see the dollar signs in their eyes of that guy that runs Pfizer. You know, the guy that announced yeah. the day after the election that he had uh, the vaccine. But we knew that. How good a business. So, yeah, there was that. I mean, and she almost puts her hand up to cover her mouth with, like, the oh, my God, when he starts talking about <laughs> how the vaccines are purely, I mean, we know, monetarily based, but not um, there to actually be a booster of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, the booster and, and of again, bullshit. What better way to expose how corrupt Big Pharma is and how money-hungry uh, they really are than doing it this way? Like. Really, really think about it. Like well, it's creating people, oh, repeat customers is the the goal for any sort of pharmaceutical thing. It's like mm-hmm. you get dependent on this chemical, this product, and you can't live without it. Like that's why big pharma loves cholesterol medicine. Yeah. Yep. 
It's like the people yep. that have, uh, they take like anti-depression uh, medicine and stuff like that. And when they stop taking it, they go into like legit withdrawals and like get totally mm-hmm. fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They have to go on all like three other medications to help them with yeah. those withdrawals. And it's a never ending cycle. Yeah. Well, once a doctor gets somebody on cholesterol medicine, they keep it on them for life rather than saying, hey, maybe you should uh, start working out and eating proper food. Here's the medication so you can continue to live a shitty lifestyle. And we'll keep you on this for the rest of your life. And your insurance company is going to rake in the dough. Yeah. And, and, the, and the medication that incentives. elderly people take that cancels itself out because they're taking, you know, 15 different things. Yeah. yeah. Awful. Well, yeah, no one talks about nutrition and health and exercise. Which is nobody. The, the, Ian Smith does. He sure does. Yes, he does. We yes, get him, he does. We get him to giggle a lot and, when he and comes And our, our co-host show. was down at the uh, the uh, event for t- the veterans. Uh huh. He was down there with those guys, and he said it was unbelievable. He's like, I've never seen so many jacked out of their mind patriots, like angry, ready to just <laughs> end people's lives. Yeah, these he's people like, will tear like, your head like, off. We're, we're okay. He's like, we're good. He's like, if well, anything happens, we're we're good. You want to know what though? <laughs> He is he is like the nicest, sweetest guy too. Yeah, like he is he is a bro. Yeah, he, he literally when you talk to him, he will laugh with you. I mean, you you think you've known him for a lot longer than you have just by having a short conversation. With yeah, him. I mean, he, yeah, that's he, what Ann said. He he's going to be on our show fairly soon. We're Good, setting that up now. Well, make sure you're funny with him because he he really likes to laugh. And we had him at the first time; it was kind of like just a standard interview. But when we had him at Clay Clark, we were bullshitting with him, and he was laughing the whole time. So. Oh, okay. you, if, if you listen to our show, you know that's all we do is bullshit and crack jokes. Yeah. You, you know, shit. you know what's not funny? Well, it might be funny. Are some of the new numbers released from Rasmussen this week that talk about, uh, goes into a little buyer's remorse, but then kind of gives a sort of insight into the to what the voter base is feeling like in the country right now. And I have to, you know, put out the disclaimer that we all know that poll numbers are skewed, but I think Rasmussen has been one of the closest ones since 2015 in regards to, you know, all things regarding the presidency, at least. Um, back in October of 2020, 45 to 45 across the board, all registered voters, uh, Biden and Trump as of this week, uh, Democrats versus Republican 36 for Biden, 52 for Trump, all registered voters, 36 for Biden, 46 for Trump percent. So yeah, Joe Biden's stock has fell nearly 10% which means in actuality it's a lot more than that. Ouch. I was going to say I call um, bullshit. Yes. I think he really got 36%. But let's look at some nah. of the other changes in demographics, which may actually be accurate. There's a 13% drop in Joe Biden's favorability amongst registered Democrats. Okay, and that's some of the numbers I just read. Um, 18 to 32, so most likely to go out and actually vote, uh, nearly 12% drop <laughs> in satisfaction for the Democrat Party and Joe Biden. Um, almost 20% of African Americans. I lost the votes. And out of the entirety of the Democrats canvassed in these polls, one in 10 said they absolutely regretted their vote and would nice. change it. I'm yeah. Sure it's one in 10? 10? I'm pretty sure it's more. Well, than it that. just said one in 10 registered yeah. Democrats. And that was one of the Don't stats that were on the bottom of this. There was one that came out just about at the same time, and it's about Kamala Harris being qualified to become president. Um, She's not. How about now? Not qualified and not at all qualified make up nearly 60% of it. 47 and 8%. How about now? Yeah. So remember, <laughs> the person that didn't even poll at 2% nationally in the Democrat primaries now mm-hmm. has about 60% of the country saying absolutely fucking not. Yeah. According to this poll, which probably means it's closer to 90%. One, like, fuck you, two, shut up. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine anyone besides the absolute elites and all the virtue singlers that would want her to be in any position of power right now. Everyone else with half a brain has seen how a- absolutely 
terrible she is and why she dropped out of the election before it even got to her state. Right. And and that's kind of being reflected in these numbers that came out in a poll this week. If she ever, like, (coughs) became president, you could probably, just with her speeches, you'd be able to loop, like, 48 consecutive hours of cackling. Oh, for sure. And then use it to torture people in Guantanamo Bay. So that would actually be good. To me, though, that that whole thing that you just read out Uh just furthers my belief that the Patriots are in full and total control because they I feel like they they forced their hand to take Kamala and Joe. Yeah. They had no choice. Like Yeah. Really think about it. They had so many better options that they could have put out there that would get more support from the Democratic Party than hey. Joey Bagadonis and, and Kamala Harris. Well, we already grew okay. these clones. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm just saying I'm just saying it just at face value. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, they could have they could have put out even just the candidates that they had, but then they right. could have used Big Mike. Big Mike. Big Mike, uh, Big Mike. Um, they could use so many other options that would the Democratic Party would fawn over. They'd freak out and be like, "Oh my God, they're the greatest thing since sliced bread." But they sent out Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, who the entire Democratic Party hates. Yeah. Um. So to me, that just leads me to believe that the Patriots forced their hand. They cornered them. They had no choice but to send those people out because no, but there's no way the Democratic Party is that like they're stupid. They're dumb, but yeah. that's stupid. Yeah, they could have done a lot better. That's for yeah. Sure. I mean, look, even Tulsi Gabbard. Like, yeah, it's so obvious. So it's so obvious. Years, you know? Well, Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, they could have put her out. The Democratic Party would have loved her. Even you know, middle of the line conservatives yeah. would have would have voted for her. She makes exactly. me. That would have been a smart choice in this case. But look at they picked the worst people that they could pick. I don't know if you well, guys have seen recent videos or pictures of Tulsi Gabbard, but she's dead. I she think. dead? Yeah. I mean, the person that's been on TV lately that's supposed to be her, like the thin one with the grayish hair, it's not her. Zero percent. Well, and she 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 spoke at the same event that uh, China China Dan spoke at. Yep. uh, The Klaus Schwab um, youth thing, and it's so funny because they scrubbed that. If if you actually go to the website to see who the speakers were, they removed Dan Crenshaw from the list of speakers. But if you use the Wayback Machine, yep, got him. Or or you go if you go look on the Infowars website, that Wayback Machine is brilliant. Sure is. I'm surprised, they, I'm surprised they haven't scrubbed that from the internet yet. Well, if the Patriots are in control, then we're always going to have the way back. Machine. Now the scrubbing is still coming. They, they We're getting messages. People are un, getting unsubscribed from us on Rumble, and I got unsubscribed from X22 on Rumble. Like, wow. I watch a show daily, and I got unsubscribed. So the, the, the censorship is leaving, going to those other platforms as well. James, I got to ask you, and I've asked Shoot. several people that have come on the show the last two weeks and even more people online. Um, every time I bring it up, they kind of blow me off without even saying anything. They just kind of segue out, out, out of the segment. We have this in- infrastructure bill. All right. It's a disaster. We don't need to get into the specifics. Pelosi's calling everyone back to hopefully put like that bandaid on the dumpster fire that's going on in DC right now. Um, by ramming that through, we all know what it would lead to. Um, one thing that's really confusing to me, and I haven't been able to get any disposition on, you may not know or have an opinion on it, but Chuck Grassley, trust Grassley. In the last 10 days, I've seen Chuck Grassley go out and do a vaccine rap video at an event in Iowa, uh, and mm-hmm. he voted for the infrastructure bill. Gross. I saw that. I, I just want to know your feelings on it because I haven't, been, I haven't even been able to have a conversation. I mean, I've talked to Reverse. I've tried to talk to Anon17. 
Uh, I brought it up last week with whoever our guest was. I can't remember off the top of my head, and they were just kind of like, "Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of Republicans that sign on to that, and they kind of just go off and they're like, you know, talking about something else." So, bad taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah. Uh, so my my feeling is, um, there's sleepers on both sides. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling, and uh, I I at this point I'm pr- ba- basically holding reservations for everybody at the end of the day. Um, yeah. because sleepers work both ways. It's not just good guys. The bad guys have sleepers with the Patriots. Patriots have sleepers inside enemy lines, 100%. And when all is said and done, and we win this war and the dust settles and the information starts to come out, I guarantee there's going to be people that we loved, that we thought were the Patriots of the highest order, that, are the that were actually sleepers for the enemy. Yeah. And Shepherds. there's going to be people that we thought were evil pieces of shit that were actually sleepers for the Patriots. And... um it's it, it, it's i think part of the fog of war yeah i think I, I really think that i really think that certain players have a certain role in this story um that they have to carry out and whether chuck grassley is carrying out an order or he's actually really a sleeper for the enemy i can't tell you i really can't and i i from the things that i've seen trust grassley uh his posts about harvesting corn and uh, it's harvest season, things like that. Yep. Makes me want to believe he is a good guy. But at the end of the day, I know just as much as you guys do. I couldn't tell you either way. And I think when all is said and done, that's that's really when we're going to be able to pass judgment on each and every single one of these people. Like for me, hearing, you know, people, a lot of patriots can't stand Mike Pence. Right. Uh, you know, and, and optically, uh, I'm not a fan either. Never was. I never really trusted the guy. No. But then, you, then you hear Chris Miller's speech where he goes off script and starts crying. Yeah. And exactly. says, says, "I want to thank Mike Pence for being a, a you know a guy to lean on, someone that helped me through this entire thing." And you know, Chris Miller is uh, a colonel in special forces yep. and counterintelligence, and has probably seen some of the craziest things that none of us could even fathom. And to get that guy emotional over something is not something that's going to happen overnight. No, nah. based on what what happened uh, with Afghanistan and how I feel devolution is playing out, I really think that Chris Miller and Ezra Cole Watnick are really you know at the top of the list when it's come comes to carrying out this devolution plan. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so you know, again, another guy like Mike Pence, I, I can't tell you whether he's a good guy or not. You know, and again, with him doing what he did on the twentieth or the sixth, the sixth. If that didn't happen, we wouldn't see all the things that we're seeing right now. Good we point. wouldn't know. I've been trying to tell people that for a long time, but they, they trip out. They're like, no, he's bad. He's mm-hmm. I'm like, you don't understand what's happening. We don't know everything, but you have to keep an open mind that there's going to be a lot of people that we did not like that are going to turn out mm-hmm. to be some of the best patriots working on the inside yeah. that yep. have risked their livelihoods and everything. Yep. Jeff you know, Sessions, yeah. I think, is one of them. Got I think yeah, Sessions. Yeah. History is going to shine a bright light on, on, on the sword that he fell on. Yep. Um, but again, I could be wrong, um, and uh, I can't pass judgment on anybody. And I think we're like, like you said earlier, Ron, we're watching a movie. Yeah. And what makes a good movie is good actors, and everybody is playing a role. And I, def- uh, I definitely feel like we're getting towards that montage that leads to the climax in the film, though. I mean, we're seeing it I do. kind of a global. I do, scale. yeah. But I, I don't know. Any I don't know who's who. I can't right. tell you. Like, oh, Chuck's a good guy, definitely. No, I can't say that. I can't say the same thing with Kaylee uh, McKenney. She's out there pushing for the jab or yeah. Sarah Sanders. They're all they're all pushing DeSantis. Same thing. Like, uh, I, I can't pass judgment on anybody um, at this point. And I, I hold, you know, there's a few there's a few Hollywood actors and actresses that you can like, all right, that 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 person is an evil piece of shit. Like Jay-Z, 
Pain mm-hmm. on Marina and Bramovich right. and Lately yeah, Gaga. Those, those things are blatantly obvious. Yeah. Bill the, Gates and Jeffrey Epstein the, and all those players. I mean, they're they're yeah. I mean, they're they're just kind of you know Abramovich is a Bill Gates spiritual advisor as well. Exactly. So exactly. I mean, those, those so everybody else players. in between though that's playing a role. I I I have no idea. I want to say I know. I want to say that this person is good. I want to say I like this person. No, a lot of moving but, parts. There's so much. There's yeah. so much. And if anybody sits here and speaks with absolutes, in my opinion, they shouldn't be trusted. Yeah. Because you don't. You. How do you know? How do you fucking know? That's I was it. saying about AOC, for example, I feel like she Man, could everybody like, always brings her up. Stupid. It's like... no, nobody could be that dumb. And she's pushing this exactly. agenda harder than anybody. And it's to me, that's pushing away like the, the moderate liberals, like the true JFK type liberals mm-hmm. are seeing people like AOC. And they're like, this is not what I believe in. Like, these people are crazy. I mean, she did audition for her role, literally audition for her role. Yep, Of course she did. Yeah, yeah it's, I've met some really dumb bartenders on the rooftop. And... Yeah. I feel even if she came tits. out as a white hat, so called, you know, white hat, I don't know if I'd be able to trust her. She did her job way too fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> who knows? I, I'm very interested to see who's on what side at the end of this story because we're going to find out. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. um, wh- one of the other things I wanted to, to touch on briefly was that, you know, there's so many people calling for. I've seen Gates and MTG and, you know, just anyone who will go on uh, talking about impeachment and the 25th Amendment. I really do think. In the big scheme of things, those those are necessarily off the table, like for the time being, because it's it's the for Joe war- Biden, yeah, one hundred percent. Because nobody wants Kamala Harris in there, Ugh. and then yeah. there's been audio resurfacing on lately from some you know podcasters, and I actually heard it on a uh, America One the other day where they were talking about, um, I'm sorry, One America, where they were talking about how Nancy Pelosi was like in August, she was like, I know my role. My role is second place. My role is second in command. And, you know, it's one of those things where you, you kind of kind of look at the big picture of it. I, I, I think there's something more than the 25th Amendment or impeachment that's kind of going to come into play for those two. But I just think it has to do more with the audits and less with the legal process, at, at least until 2022. Like right now, no. After 2022, if, if things change, we get some, you know, audit dispositions and then we figure out what uh, is going to go on with the House and the Senate, then we're definitely going to see what's going on with that. But I think at the time being right now, it doesn't change anything. It makes everything worse. Uh, yes and no. I mean, you see Marjorie Green Taylor said she put in articles of impeachment this morning. Yep. Um, she said she was doing that. Um, and it's it's very possible that they're doing this to clog again, clog up the news stations because the news will then be talking about, oh, Joe Biden's getting impeached. Joe Biden, the 25th Amendment. That's all you're going to hear on the TV. And now you he- hear the mainstream media switch their tune on the Biden administration going from fawning all over him to this guy's uh, incapable of running the country um, mm-hmm. and literally putting him on blast, which we've never seen before from mainstream media. They've always literally tried to Softball. pop this guy out like yep. he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, so it's it's very possible that that's the case, but it's also very possible that the Patriots set, set this up timing-wise uh, to totally throw these people into disarray. Because right. they don't, like you said, they don't want Kamala. They, so now they're going to have to scramble and figure out how to handle the situation to keep Joe Biden in, like they're doing with Gavin Newsom right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good you point. I, I just think that, uh, you know, I, I did hear it was very quick. I'll find the episode and I'll throw it up on our social medias. It was yesterday morning on Steve Bannon, not Q's war room. He was at the end of a segment and he literally said, you want to know what? 
the people who were starting to talk about Donald Trump taking Speaker of the House and then getting a little extra time as president before 2024 is starting to make a whole lot more sense. And he kind of just, it was one sentence. He said it really fast. It said, it, it piggybacked off of something somebody said, you know, regarding what the, what's going to go on with, with this stuff. I, I know I had heard politicians say it and they say it as kind of like a, you know, and when I win, I'm going to nominate Donald Trump for speaker. That's it wasn't one of those. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, a couple people in the news media have asked Donald Trump and he kind of just blows off the question. But, I necessarily yeah. wouldn't want to see it, but, but it would be kind of awesome, you know, just in the big scheme of things to see him, not only kick Pelosi out of there, but then impeach those two assholes and get a little bit extra president time before he can run again. Um, but then again, that's 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 neither here nor there. That's just something that I heard, and it was something that I didn't hear really from the media up until he kind of just threw it in there as a little comment yesterday on one of his shows. So it, it's kind of an interesting angle, uh, but at, at the same time, like... Uh, you know, I wouldn't put it past anything after all the shit that's gone on over the last couple of years. So uh, well, my whole theory is my whole theory is if if we are correct, which I truly with every fiber in my body believe that we are. Yeah, we cannot go back to the way things are. No, never. It cannot happen. And by putting installing Donald Trump as the speaker of the house will not dismantle this corrupt establishment that we're currently in. It'll just yeah. continue it. That's all it'll do. Um, yeah. so, so me, me personally, I don't think that's something that's going to happen. It, could it happen? Yes, absolutely. Um, but I don't think that's the end goal because again, if we just remove and replace these people, yep. how long until it's corrupted again, five years, 10 years, a hundred years, it'll happen again. If it's the same exact system, it's just a matter of time because mm-hmm. as much as we want to get everybody, and that's the whole purpose of everything. You're not going to be able to, there's going to be, you know, people that children and, and, and new people that want to carry on this legacy that the deep state, you know, that this deep, deep state is pushing out there. Um, it won't just di- like, you, you won't be able to eradicate evil completely. It's just not possible. You right. need evil to have good. So um, I, I just don't think that they, they can just remove and replace. It has to be started over from scratch based on our bill of rights and our constitution. Um, and that's where we have to go. Cause otherwise it's, it's all for nothing. You know, no. we, we're trying to leave a, 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 a free country for future generations. Again, just removing, replacing, that's not a free country. We're just going to go back to the way we were very quickly, probably within our lifetime. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's definitely something that, uh, you know, we, we need to take a look at. But also we need to take a look at is uh, stopping the steal. We did have a no forensic audit report yet out of Arizona. We did know that they were going to tease some dates just to see. I think Breb put out a post today. Yeah, how many false flags we can get on the table before then. Um, You know. But I think Gateway Pundit put in an article saying that we're going to get something on Monday. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I know. But then you also had Feedy McSniffins last night, Ron Watkins, uh, in his Telegram channel, telling everybody, like, the memes control the cycle right now. We're going to put out as many memes with as many algorithm-beating famous people on them at a time with fake captions. Like, a picture of (laughs) Ronald Reagan that says, Maricopa results coming on Tuesday at 10. Maricopa results coming on Wednesday at 5. And he's like, just post them all over your social medias. Break the algorithm so they don't know where to look or who to look from. And I was mm-hmm. just like, you know, that's no, smart. That's actually a good, a good tactic. And, and like I was saying earlier, the fog of war is very thick. And I think that's on purpose. 
I really think it's it's good that people like us who are pay hyper, hyper close attention to everything that's going on. Like we literally have the pulse on the situation of what's going on, but we still have no idea when this is going to come come to fruition. Like we're like, yeah. all right, well, it's going to happen. We just who knows when it happens, it happens. You know, it's right. You know, it's oh, also going to happen <laughs> is that right before we get into stop the steal, Pfizer has announced today that they will be FDA approving. Yeah, that was on the pipeline. That was in the pipeline. Yeah. Are you surprised? That's going to come on Monday. Um, Are you surprised? No, nor do I care, and I don't want to touch on that shit at all this week because it's completely pointless. Mm-hmm. To even Ain't nobody got to. time for that. No. Um, they did hold a America First uh, election integrity rally uh, a night or so ago outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, because some of the higher-ups in the state legislature thought it would be appropriate to block Doug Mastriano and his team. He was assembled with... Wendy Rogers, Mr. Teddy Daniels, amongst others, and and kind of kicked them down the road to Harrisburg um, to do it in a basically hotel conference room. Uh, thousands of people did show up, though, and were pretty fired up to hear Wendy Rogers talk, as they always are. Let's hear what she had to say during that. And I on how excellent these experts are. Rightspeech.com! Cyber Ninjas is the overarching contractor, and they are an application security company, so they can determine if an app is secure. Then you have Cypher, which is a data security company, and did you know that a few years ago, Cypher was demonstrating some software with the Federal Office of Personnel Management? How many of us had secret and top secret clearances? and filled out applications to get that? Well, they found out that all those had been breached. But they weren't even there for that. But they discovered that. That's the excellence and the access that Cypher has had. My point in bringing up these details is to reassure you that this is now a packageable, exportable, Mm -hmm. Excellent, the best ever combination of technical expertise now. We have the blueprint. We've been through this. You know, Wendy Rogers comes off as like one of those people where you're in a movie and there's like a team of established characters and throughout the entire movie they're there, they're doing things to like solve problems and get to the end of a winnable situation. And then they run into like a huge roadblock. Uh, down the road a piece, and then appears someone who, just based off of optics, looks like they've been there forever and knows their way around, and they're basically like some random character that comes in and is the only person that could like save them to get through this one part. And they kind of come in and come out, and that's just like she literally came out of nowhere. Out of left field. Yeah, and she's become such a national presence that she's, she's running around with the biggest guns of them all and holding her own. Um, She's savage. Her Twitter is one of my favorites. Yeah, oh, yeah, and her audios that we play every week is just that, you know, not only is she feisty, but she's relevant. Um, okay. and, and, you know, she's basically talking about how what they created in Maricopa County and moving forward for all the rest of the audits because, you know, in other news today, Georgia was moving just an inch closer to actually making this happen. Uh, I forget what the word is when you're when the judge is about to decide that, you know, we're going to start presenting uh, – you know, things in our case, but it, it's going to be going down in, in Georgia right now with, with Judge Amaro. Um, but the cyber ninjas, you know, the things that they do, there wasn't 
really necessarily businesses that went into the whole thing of forensically breaking down elections, especially one that are as big as this. And now you have people that have pretty much written the blueprint for it and, and moving forward are going to be able to, to use that in, uh, in other elections. Uh, Did you guys hear how cyber ninjas got the job though? Um, maybe. So this is fascinating to me because, you know, one of the biggest things that the media uses and the let and, and the liberals, the mainstream media listeners uses all oh, the cyber. Like, what is this like a, a clown operation? Like who the hell are these people? Right. These cyber ninjas. Like, it sounds like a cartoon. Like, you're, Oh, we're watching the cyber cyber ninjas on Saturday morning cartoons with a bowl of cereal. Um, they reached out to all of the biggest auditing companies in the country. They reached out to all of them. And oh, wow. every single one of them said, we can't do it because it will interfere with our government contracts. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. wonder, wonder why it would interfere with their government contracts. Because, oh, maybe you'd be exposing the government for how corrupt that they are. But that's why cyber, they were the, literally the last ones asked. And uh, they were they were the last ones on the table and they took the job. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing to uh, I, I know we had the CEO on here. Uh, we played some audio from him not too long ago, and he was kind of talking about the whole story behind it and, uh, you know, what his investment was. And it's pretty good. It seems like they've all kind of gotten a cue card across the board that says this isn't about Republican or Democrat. This isn't about Donald Trump. This is about election integrity. And It should be. You, I know, but you've heard every single person literally regurgitate those lines yes. um, throughout the course of these forensic audits. Someone who kind of goes a little bit more – uh, off the cuff is Liz Harrington. And although we've heard some fire from her previously, she was there in Pennsylvania with uh, Wendy Rogers and Doug Mastriano the other night too. Let's hear what she had to say. And so many people who were so discouraged by politics and, and the games in Washington and the realization really that President Trump exposed that there was no difference in Clinton or Bush or Obama or Romney. There, it wouldn't matter who you know won those elections. It would be the same drive off the cliff for our country. And he exposed all that. And that's why we cannot stop. And if, if it would have just been a, a normal election, uh, if there wasn't all of this and we just said, okay, you know, you win some, you lose some, we would have never exposed all of this. So we, there's another silver lining. Mm-hmm. Because President Trump brought out so many, so many more than they've bargained for. They were ready. I mean, talk about what was the quote from the Mueller report, election interference that was sweeping and systemic. Well, that was 2020. That was fake news. That was big tech drop boxes. That was crooked election workers stuffing the ballot box. It was, you know, uh, voter registration databases hacked. It was every which way. It was systemic, but if President Trump hadn't rallied so many people who said, wow, finally a leader who will follow through on his word and is not beholden to anyone else, we would have never known how corrupt the system was. So now it's up to us to root it out because we have to have accountability and the way we get accountability is we audit all 50 states, shore up our election systems, 
get rid of this rigged mail-in ballot schemes, drain the swamp, get back to voter ID, proof of citizenship, paper ballots. We have to have a secure system. Yeah, she's been on fire lately, I'll be honest with you. She's 100% right. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah. there's nothing there that's, like, over the top. There's nothing that's racist. There's nothing that's, like, you know, making her a domestic terrorist or a white nationalist. She's saying things that the cabal, the deep state, the old guard have implemented in this country as safeguards to make sure they never lose control of power. I don't know where the flat – it's somewhere so far back. But but when they that one time they slipped and, and the thread came out that was able to get pulled – to look at where we're at now, it's just it's just pretty amazing. Well, to be fair, um, according to the new Department of Defense uh, domestic terrorist uh, memo, we're all she did terrorists. say she did say some terrorist things okay. because she disagreed with the the election. According to them, that's domestic terrorism. She has said we, um, we need to get over the mask <laughs> bullshit too. So that's two strikes. Yeah. So, but but in all reality, she's one thousand percent right, and as paint painful as it is mm-hmm. this ha- it had to happen this way of and this, a, a, a q post that really rings true to me is sometimes you have to walk through the darkness to see the light or yeah. uh the ending isn't for everyone yeah um which is true because look at how many quote-unquote anons who have been following the story for the whole entire time all of a sudden just fell oh this is not happening we lost it's over the deep state one or donald trump so is satan many- Full on black pill, eating them all. So many of them. Yep. But if yeah, it didn't happen this way, if it didn't happen the way it did, we'd have no idea how rigged the elections are. I've been saying for decades that this elect, all these elections are rigged. Go back to 2004, John Kerry and George Bush, yep. both skull and bonesmen. You're telling me they're running for opposite parties? The, the it's 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 a brotherhood. Like they're they're part of what they believe is they have to put their, their brothers in a position of power if they have the opportunity to do so over family members and, and things like that. You're mm-hmm. telling me they ran against each other? Absolutely not. It's been rigged the entire time. And yep. if it didn't happen this way, okay, Donnie's in. What is? What do you think the mainstream media is doing right now? You think that they're going to, oh yeah, Donnie's in. Let's all hunky-dory. Everything is good. Grand old, old, old times. No, it'd be China virus lockdowns 24 seven. We wouldn't yeah. get any relief. It would be, oh, Donald Trump is attacking Cuomo and attacking Newsom because they're not following his covid protocols it would it would be just a disaster and we wouldn't be able to make any headway now the way things are happening how many i say all the time more people are awake today than they were yesterday and every single day more and more people are seeing it's different for every single person it has to directly affect them and once it does they never once that light switch goes on there's no going back they see the light and they're like oh this shit's been corrupt the whole entire time holy shit once awake always awake you know Mm -hmm. so it had to happen this way it had to. There's no way that it could have been exposed the way that it is right now if it wasn't. Yeah, they're, ha- they're having mm-hmm. another. Uh, they're having another one of those rallies coming up here in uh, North Carolina this week. Um, it won't be as big as the one that they're having in Tuscaloosa this weekend. Uh, they're claiming that it's going to be the largest rally since the biggest ones of the 2020 presidential campaign, um, and that's for that's for Papa Cheetah down in uh, Alabama this week. Um, one other thing I want to touch on in Pennsylvania, you know, it was pretty weird. I thought I was watching a rerun this morning. I'm getting my kids for school, making breakfast, yelling at them to get all their crap together because all they want to do is watch YouTube videos in the morning. <laughs> I, I had sat down before they woke up. Don't and, we? Yeah, that's true, I guess. Um, and, and was watching Mastriano was on Steve Bannon, not Q's war room. And, you know, they were talking about what's going on and, and 
they were just having a conversation about what's holding up the audits, what's holding up the subpoena. And he was talking about how Jay Corman there, um, who I guess is like the president of the supposedly Republican Senate in Arizona, is basically stonewalling and, and, and making it real hard for, for Doug to get anything down there. So he was on, and then I waited till the segment was over, and then I went finished doing what I was doing after that, and then I'm getting ready to grab my keys and take my kids, and I see, what did they play the same episode over again? Doug Mastriano was back on the show. So then I, I, I had to go, so I missed it, but apparently the he hijacked the audit by firing Senator Mastriano's entire staff right after he appeared on War Room this morning. And Mastriano had come back on the show like 20 minutes later to tell everybody, hey, as soon as I got off the show with you this morning talking about the audits, the president of the um, Pennsylvania State Legislative called my office and fired my entire staff and then said that I was backing away from the audits. Wow. Yeah. No, yeah. No. That, 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 that That's hap- what they do. That happened this morning. And uh, it says, I'm reading now from the National File. Thank you, Mr. Papps. Pennsylvania Jake Corman, Senate president, has fired the staff of Senator Doug Mastriano in an attempt to prevent uh, and hijack efforts in a forensic audit in the state. Um, he's been stonewalling the election uh, and has been, you know, trying to hold this up for, for months now. Teddy Daniels, an America First candidate and today, one of today's guests on the show, uh, said it appears that Corman wants to go to war and has appeared to have forgotten that he isn't dealing with those swampy rhino politicians. Um, you know, Liz Harrington took to Twitter. Wendy Rogers took to Twitter all to, you know, try to get to Doug's aid in all of this and say, you know, how could we let this happen? All we're asking for is the truth. And we're literally being like put up against the worst tyranny, uh, to get there. We all know what it's for. It's that they're hiding everything and that we've already caught them. But the fact of the matter is it's just, it just, it's terrible when it deals with people's livelihoods and stuff like that. It does, but do you expect anything less? No, I expect worse, to be honest with you. Yeah, and yeah. I, the example that I use with everybody is how evil these people are. Yep. And this is an easy one for normies to digest, is these people will literally stop at nothing to get to accomplish their goal, and they'll go as far as allowing people oh, yeah. to die. Because we know for 100% fact that HCQ works. And look what they did with HCQ. They demonized it. They made doctors and pharmacists not prescribe it. And if they're willing to withhold drugs that will literally cure people and allow people to die, that's not even talking about the nursing home scandals. Just that alone shows how far these people will go to push their agenda through. They don't care about us. They don't care about our lives. They only care about their agenda. And, And it goes across the board. Anything that they're trying to accomplish, they will stop at nothing to accomplish it. Yeah. Well, we found out too that ivermectin is has been successful in treating cancer. So imagine, imagine how terrified they were not only for COVID that you know it could cure COVID, but that it could actually work you know in another way to cure people of cancer. That would have collapsed all of big pharma. So well, I, I think big pharma. There are a lot. There are more levels to this. All, oh yeah. You know? Well, look look at I've watched almost every single Donald Trump rally since 2018. Almost every yeah. single one. I watched a couple before 2016, but since I, I've been in on, on Q and I knew what was going on as far as that goes, I've watched literally every single one just to, to read the comments. And one thing that's always stuck out to me about Donald Trump is he's been calling out big pharma since the get. And one of the things oh, yeah. that he's hammering in is H- HIV and AIDS. He's yep. like, we're going to have yeah. a cu- cure for HIV and AIDS. Now you yep. look at Dr. Fauci's emails. Mm-hmm. Oh, how this virus is created. HIV and uh, SARS-2 was created. And yep. uh, you find out that 
the vaccine probably has HIV in it as well. Right. Um, Spike proteins. Now, well, yeah, India it, at the beginning of the of the pandemic found the spike protein, at, you know, the HIV correlation, mm-hmm. and, and media yep. suppressed it right away. You think you think it's and now a, it's finally a, coming out. You know. You think it's a coincidence that Donnie's been talking about cures for AIDS for the better Absolutely part of 40, four well, years Anthony, now? He's been, Anthony Fauci's been a part of it. I mean, yes. if people really looked into it, I don't know, you know, some of our followers and listeners have, but they have never isolated the HIV never. virus nope. ever. It's mm-hmm. exact the same PCR test that they're using for COVID yep. they were using at the time for HIV. And, mm-hmm. and even uh, Montagne, I forgot, Luke Montagne, he even says that HIV is curable and it's, there's no proof that it causes AIDS as well. And a lot of people, you know, during the AIDS pandemic, the reason why they died was because of the NZT medication that mm-hmm. Fauci was pushing. It's just insane. And the PCR tests are all bullshit then as well. And they're using the same playbook now with COVID. But you it's don't like, think it's it's odd that Donald Trump was talking about this for four well, years and then all of a sudden this is now, now yeah, coming into play? Everything ahead of time. You know, and, he, he gives us the, the, um, the spoilers of mm-hmm. the film. Always. Yep. He said we're going to have cures for childhood cancer and regular mm-hmm. cancer and all of this stuff is coming out. Big Pharma is one of the biggest pieces of this cabal. Oh, yeah. And oh, you have to dismantle you have to dismantle that if you want to dismantle the whole thing. Of course. Yeah. To a, one of the other things I got left this week for Stop the Steal was that I know you guys probably saw the video of Joan Pulitzer who had mm-hmm. finally broke the matrix, if you will on the ballots and probably very pleasing to Noah. Not serial numbers, not watermarks, but he was able to find matrix dots, which -hmm. basically showed where the ballots were printed, what batches they came from, and like even like a date by being able to tabulate a certain amount of, what is it, like infrared dots on the ballots? I mean, I watched the video. It's only like two minutes long, but it was pretty cool the way he showed it, and he says he's been trying to figure this out. It wasn't that he wasn't able to identify that the spots were on all of these ballots. It's that the actual code and, mm. you know, testing his theory onto where and when they were printed and came from, uh, he was able to get to the bottom of this week. So I thought that was pretty cool because, I mean, the guy's yeah. pretty much done it all. He's hacked the Dominion voting machines in real time. He's changed votes in real time. And now it looks like he's getting to the bottom of uh, how we could figure out where these ballots came from, where and why. I want to know how many came from China. China. Probably a lot of them. You, you know you know what? Speaking of China and the mail, nearly 15 million mail-in ballots are unaccounted for in the 2020 presidential election, according to an independent report uh, broke by the Epic Times yesterday. Um, it says the November 2020 general election, whose chaotic results have been vigorously disputed, there are nearly 15 million mail-in ballots that went unaccounted for. And according to a government group that focuses on election integrity, and they basically said that, you know, they had talked to the post office and put out a lot of these red flags before. Um, but the data compilation shows that during the 2020 election, there were 14.7 million ballots whose whereabouts were deemed, quoting now, unknown mm-hmm. by election officials, according to the brief. So, yeah, the the, uh, USPS Inspector General uh, did not take responsibility and also had no comment. Imagine that. Of course not. Shocker. Why would you comment? I mean, it's not not a couple hundred thousand, 15 million in an election that was basically determined by like 35,000 votes or less. There were like 1.1 million undelivered and then uh, 560,000 rejected. Well, you think that... The situation in California is isolated. You think where they're just pulling ballots out of the mailbox because they have the master key is just for California. You think mm-hmm. they probably did it 
in the general election as well. And they just went around and just started removing ballots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely, definitely, definitely some hot stuff moving forward towards uh, next week. Hot damn. Was this a action packed episode? What do you guys think? Yep. Had a great time. I had a blast. And I'm truly honored that you had me on with uh, Mr. Teddy Daniels. Guy's a legend. Yeah, well, we're, we're truly honored to have you back come on the show all the time because you definitely uh, extend those conversations into uh, places that we don't always have the time or <laughs> knowledge even to, you know, really get into. No, I'm, I'm saying it in, in, in a good context. It's good to get someone in here that could, instead of just talking about the news, really kind of get into some of the, you know, specifics that go into what frames those stories and, and things outside the box of, of normal group thinking and why. So appreciate that. Yeah, James, before we uh, let you go, why don't you tell everybody in our listening audience where they could find you guys on social media, listen to your podcast, whatever you want to give out, website? Uh, yeah, you can find us, We the People Radio, with periods in between each uh, word. WPRUSA underscores our other one. Uh, but you can find all our content on Rumble, all major podcast platforms, except for Spotify and those cucks over at YouTube. Mm. But also, you can find all of our content on our website, WPRUSA.com. Um, and if you want to be a walking meme, pick up some sweet white boy summer merch. It's almost over. Nice. White boy summer is coming to an end. Get it, get it. Um, you know what you can also get? The Steak for Breakfast podcast on all major podcasting platforms. You can listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and Google Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review the shows. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share. Uh, social media has become a lot more easier to get across over the last couple of weeks because of our link tree now. So you go on Instagram, Steak for Podcast Breakfast, hit the link tree. It'll take you to everything. It's got our website, our backup accounts, our Twitter, Antoinette's Telegram, her Instagram, our email. You name it, it's there. So definitely something that uh, you want to look into, finding us on all our social media platforms. You could also find our website where you could stream the show if you're having problems listening to it on the other platform. Uh, Show creds of the week, the Daily Bread. Wonder Woman, Canadians 10, Cagbro 88, Scalps, Mr. Garbaggio of the Garbaggio Instagram family, Miss Christina Bob from One American News, Tom Pappert, editor-in-chief of the National File, obviously the Steve Bannon War Room, the Gateway Pundit, and James from We the People Radio. Um, don't forget to give our sponsors some loves. Remember, making small businesses great again. Odyssey and Odyssey.com. They're on Instagram and on Facebook. You also have Dumpbox, dumpbox.us. They're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Mediocre Medic, MediocreMedic.com. You can find them on Instagram. Uh, Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. Hit him up at 619-870-6992. He's also on Facebook Messenger. Uh, Man Rubs, don't mistreat your meat. Uh, We're getting towards the end of the summer, and you're probably going to have a couple end-of-summer parties. Like James mentioned, White Boy Summer is coming to a close. And I couldn't imagine any way better to celebrate that than sprinkling some man rubs on something you're going to mm. grill, smoke, and eat. I'm hungry. Yeah, it, it's getting to be that time of the day. And, uh, of course, stay ready gear and stay ready gear holsters. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we do have a lot of action-packed shows coming up that we want to get across to you today. Uh, next week, Jordan Sarmo who's recovered from his uh, COVID pneumonia is going to be joining us as a guest host. And we are going to have Dr. Russell Saraski, fortified certified neurologist and uh, Matt Brainerd of just about everything from stop the steal to save the January 6th insurrectionists. 
um, and election integrity, you name it, Matt's got his hands in it. And that's going to be next week. Uh, Norbin Laden's going to be on the 31st of August. Kayla Michelle the Fit Patriots coming back on September 7th. Mr. Jeremy Bravo is going to be making his first appearance on the show on the 10th of September. Uh, and then moving towards a little bit later in the month on the 17th, we've booked former Sky News anchor, current CEO, owner, and operator of New Earth Media, Miss Hannah Kirkpatrick. Nice. Yeah. So, friends of the week, some of the regulars. We got Kalila 3.1, Axia 6.0. That southern dude had a couple fire memes this week. What I mean to say, period, in between this each word. And we cannot forget Miss Babycakes 2.0. Um, before we let you go, we ask you guys to do a little bit of homework in between each show. And let's not forget about all the things that uh, you should be doing on your own anyways. Number one, do your own research. The narrative that's shaped on this show has nothing to do with the way you should either believe or feel in. I'm, I'm sure James feels the same way about his show, too. Our opinion is just that, and that's where it ends. Um, go and do your own research. If there's something that interests you or you don't think is right or maybe you think is wrong, try to figure it out for yourself. Hold the line. Ride it. Buy the dip. Get the fuck in here. Snatch the wigs from Miss Natalie Denise. I like it. Let's see what happens, but most importantly, where we go one, we go all. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 56 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Rome, and joined, as always, by Noah and Antoinette. We'll talk to you guys next week. But until then, take care. Boy, he's thick. Boy, that's a thick ass boy. Damn.